This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. It's Friday, folks. It's Friday. You can sit back, relax. You're going to have a President's Day weekend coming up. Oh, it's about time. It's about time. We made it. Another week. Congratulations. Today we got a great show for you. We'll be talking about sugar. Right before Valentine's. Right before Valentine's Day. Apparently, the it'll, go- it'll the, kill you. The government's against sugar now. Where, it'll, where it'll have you kill been? you. It'll shrink your brain. Oh, duh. It'll, it'll cause you to lose cognitive ability. It elevates my heart rate. I'm just making things up. Are you making sure. all these up? <laughs> yeah, it shrinks your brain. It might. I don't know. I'll probably find a study that says something. We'll find out. New dietary guidelines say that, uh, you know, less sugar. Sugar's your, not your friend. So the guy we talked about yesterday with the cereal addiction mm-hmm. and the four and a half pounds of sugar on each bowl of cereal. Yeah. He would have a problem with this. He would not like the new food pyramid. Well, actually, he wants to stop. He thinks his his behavior, his his eating habits might be detrimental to his health. He thinks he's addicted to cereal. He's just really addicted to sugar. Yes. Right? I that, mean... That's what my thought is. I'm, I'm not addicted to anything. I just like to eat a lot of food. When you eat a bowl of cereal and you have a bag of sugar, like a one-pound bag of sugar sitting next to you on the table, there's a problem. Yeah, if you go through two bags of sugar just at breakfast... It's quite a bit. You know what's weird? My dentist called. Like he called you? Well, he texted. Oh, wow. He said, man, we haven't seen you for a while. Hmm. Like, he doesn't know if I've seen, I'm seeing another dentist. Right. That's kind of awkward if you it's were. really awkward. How do you what break do you up? Say? I don't know. Yeah. Are you seeing another dentist behind your, your <laughs> dentist's back? Is that what's going on? Kind No. No. You're just not seeing a dentist? I'm just not seeing a dentist. Why not? Do you have something to hide? He's you... taking a break right now. Does he, need, does he need a reason not to go to the dentist? Do I always have to go to the dentist? Sometimes we just need distance. Sometimes you just I just need some space to breathe. Separation makes the heart grow fonder, you know what, is what they in, say, right? In fact, I just read it's a sign of bad health because, not just because your teeth are decaying, but because you don't even have time to find the dentist. I can't even go to a dentist because I don't have time to go to the dentist. So I said, why don't you come see me? How come I always have to see you? Make a house call. At your place. Come on. This is good. He could be like the Uber of dentists. Yeah. I'd be concerned about sanitation. I mean... That's what true. do they do? They they have you open your mouth, they poke around for a minute, and they send you home. Yeah, but if their hands smell like gasoline because they just pumped some gas, you know. Well, you know they could take some steps. Well, it'd put you to sleep. Mine always has gloves on, so I'm not sure. Yeah, that's weird. Mine never does. Really? No, he does. Yeah, mine's concerned. Would you ever put your hand in someone's mouth? No. Without a glove? They did at one point, though. Yeah, they used to do a lot of things we don't do anymore. Yeah, now we put gloves on. They used to bleed you. All that fun stuff. Hey, today, Andrea Ovard will be joining us um, talking about new dietary guidelines. I want to know what happened to fat. Because fat used to be the enemy, not sugar. Yes. I thought. And then it was always about the cholesterol, which was coming from the fat, I'm assuming, unless we're finding out cholesterol is coming from sugar. Yeah. 
And then we got to figure out this coconut oil thing. Coconut oil. Last night, my wife made some uh, stir-fry beef and pepper type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. First ingredient in the pan? Coconut oil. Coconut oil. And then we have one of our producers that smells like a coconut. Yeah. She's got a little bit of a problem with coconut. I mean, really don't get top. me wrong. It, it smells good, but it's, it's real coconutty. Yeah. It's kind of... Did you watch the debate last night? Speaking Parts. of coconuts. Parts. You know what's interesting? I really, honestly, I like the Democratic debate last night because there seems to be, when it's down to two, it's more substance. It's more like, you said, you said, this is real. I mean, it's like a real debate. With the Republicans, you'll get two people kind of going back and forth, and then a third chips in because mm-hmm. they're bored. Yeah. Or something. Hey, 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 what about me? Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and then so they're always like triangulating. Yeah. And you lose, wait, 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 someone said my name, you know, that thing. That's like that's to me. That's one of the most annoying things about all these debates, is they say if you mention my name, I can respond, and right. so you can't talk about anybody else, or else you get derailed. And it's an easier camera shot. It's a two shot, right? So you just it's you can keep it on two people the whole time and see everybody's response to everything. But it's I don't know. It's getting it's getting pretty serious over there. Hillary is playing hardball. Yes. You know what else is surprising to me, and maybe it shouldn't be, is she's really glomming on to Obama. Like she is in a in a in an election where everybody is so seemingly anti establishment, Hillary's hanging on to the establishment. This is a big deal. Here's clip five. The kind of criticism that we've heard from Senator Sanders about our president, I expect from Republicans, I do not expect from someone running for the Democratic nomination to succeed, President Obama. That is, Madam Secretary, that is a low blow. I have worked with President Obama for the last seven years. Last I heard, a United States senator had the right to disagree with the president, including a president who has done such an extraordinary job. An analyst on PBS NewsHour, which I watch frequently, um, said that Hillary is running as Hillary Obama. There you go. She, usually you get to a point where sometimes the like when the end of President Bush's two uh, two terms, he was almost seen as toxic yeah. by some. And so some candidates ran away yeah, from him. Get away, get away, get away. Where, where it looks like Hillary Clinton is running to him. Well, she is right now. Yeah. Cuz it, it works for her campaign at the moment. Right. And she's accusing Bernie Sanders of criticizing the sitting president and this yeah. is bad, you know, and it just it's all politically advantageous at the moment. And many are saying it's probably because Obama um Obama in South Carolina is really strong because of the black vote. So they believe Hillary's kind of pandering to Obama now to 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 build up her South Carolina power. Another criticism I heard of uh of Hillary Clinton is that she seems to be for everything. Mhm. She she has this, uh, whatever the cause is, she's for it. I'm your candidate. Yeah. Whatever your cause is, whatever your concern is, I'm there for I'm you. I'm there for you. And they say that her message is getting too scattered. It yeah. needs to be focused. She needs to pick some, some lanes to travel in and stay there and become strong in those areas. Instead, she's just spreading herself too thin trying well, to be everyone's candidate. Because isn't it strange that it's there's there's this big anti-incumbent kind of movement, anti-establishment movement, and yet there's no one more establishment than Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. But she seems like kind of the outsider. She's trying to, I mean, she's trying to play away. herself that yeah. way. I just don't know how you do that. Against someone like Bernie Sanders. 
Right. Who raised what was it five million dollars? I said yesterday in a night. The day after, yeah. I mean, just the night after the he New Hampshire it primary. That night. And they said the 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 average donation was thirty four dollars. He's not getting massive amounts of money. He's getting small in- incremental pieces to build his campaign. And he said last night, he goes, just he goes, you're not the only one if elected that it would be a revolution. You you might be a woman and that'd be a, a big deal. Yeah. But I'm here for systematic change you know so it's kind of an interesting uh, argument they keep having oh my heavens but you, you are right as a debate comes uh, you know watching something it's with two fantastic. people they can talk to each other yeah the, the republicans need to thin it down yeah well not, they are i mean i don't want to i don't want to push it if, why not but i kind of do <laughs> like get it down to two come on well maybe not because i think it i, I think it would be i think it'd be a heated debate but until Trump just has to go one-on-one with somebody where they can actually have to explain their policies. Have you heard the Ted Cruz Trump action figure commercial? No. Sounds fantastic. It's on the cut sheet there. See that? I forget what it's like. I love a good action figure. So Trump and Ted Cruz. Listen to this. Look, I got the Trump action figure. Yeah, wait, it's he. What does he do? He pretends to be a Republican. I like bailouts for the bank. Too big to fail. <laughs> hey, Hillary, I'll give you money to be my friend. Check out my house, Mr. Trump. That's a lousy house. I'm going to take your house in my own domain and park oh my, my limos there. They're knocking the house down. <laughs> Eminent domain. Values in our children. Why would we want them in a president? Now, so there's three kids in a playroom, and they're they're doing this role play thing, and then yeah. they start taking the, the figures and dolls they're playing with and beating this house, breaking it, <laughs> as the parents are peeking in from the hallway, horrified, like, what's going on in there? If you hear it's your children say the words eminent domain from their playroom, yeah. I'd get in there. You need to question what's going on. <laughs> Somebody ask them where they learned those yeah, words. Those words. Right. Somebody needs to be grounded. If your if your kids are have a, by the way, if you get your kid a Trump or a Hillary Clinton doll or a or a it doesn't matter any yeah. politician doll. There's no politician. That well, Arnold Schwarzenegger figure. politician doll is okay. Sure. You know, it could be a movie too. You never know. Oh yeah. Anyway, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, let's do this. Let's get to the headlines, Terry. Anything going on around the world we need to pay attention to? Also at the uh, Thursday's Democratic debate in Milwaukee, Sen- Senator Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton started arguing over how much each candidate's various plans would cost, with Clinton repeating that the candidates should make, shouldn't make promises that we can't keep. In one exchange, Clinton said that she had detailed how much each of her proposals would cost and how she would get it en- enacted, saying that once she's in the White House... She will have enough political capital to get stuff done. Sanders had this line ready. Secretary Clinton, you're not in the White House yet. And let us be clear that every proposal that I have introduced has been paid for. Sanders said that his, as he said, his proposals will be paid for too, though he didn't elaborate on how. Now, we talked about with Trump, we were told that uh, the best way to, 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 I guess, respond with Trump is just to say one word. How? How? How do you do this? Maybe the same yeah. thing with Bernie Sanders. We can see how that works. Bernie Sanders trailing Hillary Clinton by single digits in a morning consult survey released Friday has found the poll discovered that uh, following the New Hampshire primary, Sanders is now back only seven points nationally. Other mm. polls has them almost tied nationally. Oh, wow. It's a very close race there. Senator John Kerry announced, or uh, Secretary of State John Kerry announced on Thursday that world powers have agreed to implement a, a cessation of hostilities 
It's a ceasefire. Cessation of hostilities. In Syria. However, this would not uh, apply to the fight between ISIS and the al-Nostra front within the country, according to Kerry. A United Nations task force will be implemented to make sure that humanitarian access is provided to all sides. Now it is yet to be determined if all parties on the ground will, in fact, abide by the terms of this agreement. So everyone except ISIS will stop shooting each other. <laughs> However, that's going to work. Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson said he was sorry for any grief or pain caused by sen- the city sending a bill to the estate of Tamir Rice for medical services rendered to the 12-year-old after he was fatally shot by a police officer. So the, the basics of this story, the oh, city wow. sent the family that the cops shot their 12-year-old kid a $500 bill for ambulance services. And the family's like, what is, you know. Are you kidding me? And so that, 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 that uh, situation, have you seen the video? The cop, the yeah, police car rolls into up the, into the park. Was it Cleveland? Where was this? It was in Cleveland. Yeah. They pull into the park. The, the police officer barely gets out of, yeah. of his car, but he, and as he's doing it, he shoots this 12-year-old who had an airsoft pistol. Yeah, he was like was playing a, guns or whatever. A BB gun yeah. type thing. And so it was a huge mistake issue, fault of the police officer, all this. 911's called. So then they send him a bill for a five hundred dollar, and the 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 the, sti- the city rips up the bill. They apologize Good. the next day, but there was a huge uproar over that. So the story has moved on. Um, according to a new survey from the Stanford Center of Longevity, most Americans want to live to their one hundredth birthday. Why? Do you want to live to be one hundred? Well, I do if I, if everything's functioning. If the, all if all fluids are flowing and all well joints so are to speak. active. The catch. They aren't putting in the legwork to do so comfortably. The survey of 2,300 adults released on Thursday revealed that 77% of Americans want to live to 100, and more than a third believe they will live past 90. But the data also shows that only one-third of people say they're happy with their current body weight and their financial situation. Hmm. Of Americans under the age 65 who want to retire by the time they reach 65, slightly more than 40% say they will not have the financial means to do so. Oh, boy. Millennials, for instance, are more likely than boomers and Gen Xers to say they expect to live to 100. They also are the only generation that most likely to think they'll have the financial means to do so. Yeah, so you're gonna if you can live longer, but well, you, you have the money. Yeah, well, you have the money. Maybe if you someday. retire, if you retire at 65 and then live to 100, that's I mean, most people don't expect to live that far. Well, you know what will happen is then we'll just start having dorms, dormitories full of seniors. <laughs> You'll you'll be back to the dorm life. Yeah. Oh boy, that's all we need. All we need. Well, uh, talking about health, folks, um, is sugar the new public health enemy? Used to be sugar. There used to be fat. Then it used to. Yeah. You know, then you had to worry about the cholesterol because the impact the fat was having on you. And then you know somebody pulled out a coconut, and coconut oil became the new craze. So we're going to talk all things health and diet today with Andrea Ovard, a nutritionist, and uh, she's going to walk us through, really, what what is the government saying as they reissued a new version of its dietary guidelines? Interesting learnings, folks. Stick with us. We're talking your health today, hopefully helping you live longer right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today, um, 
you know, every day we, we're picking up all the latest, greatest news headlines. And a, and a few days ago, we found uh, in the Atlantic um, an announcement that sugar is the new health, public health enemy number one. You know, early last month, the U.S. government issued a new version of its dietary guidelines. Amongst the changes, the guidelines uh, in the guidelines, sugar has become the new enemy. Recommendations um, include basically, I mean, listen to this, less than 10% of your daily caloric intake should be coming from sugar. So just think of your own diet. How, how does your diet fare? Is it sugar heavy? Like our friend that has 130 scoops of sugar on his 13 bowls of cereal? What do you think? Joining us today uh, is really our our favorite dietitian, Andrea Ovard, is joining us. She graduated from BYU with a bachelor's in science in dietetics and um, is uh, also completed an internship at the University of Utah. Currently, she's working for the University of Utah Hospital as a clinical dietitian and uh, is is truly a great resource for us. She's also uh, heads up a blog um, titled "The Baking Dietitian." Andrea Ovard, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me again. You bet. What do you think, Andrea, about the uh, the new guidelines? Uh, anything new here, and, and why why the big push on sugar? Right, yeah. So the new guidelines that came out recently, they come out every five years, and they didn't change a lot this time. Um, basically, the two kind of main changes that we saw were, like you said, the reduction of sugar before they just said, limit sugar, but this time they actually put, you know, kind of a number on it and said less than 10% of your intake should be from added sugars. And then they also dropped the recommendation for cholesterol. They did still say to limit it, but they didn't put a specific, before they had said 300 milligrams a day, and now they're just saying just to limit it, but they don't have a specific number on it. So those two kind of reversed a little bit. Mm. See, so I, this is my problem. Well, this isn't really my problem, but uh, I just like sugar and high-fat foods. Um, but but I guess the deal is it almost it feels like I remember years ago cholesterol was it. Watch out for cholesterol. It will kill you and your children. Right. Then uh, it didn't seem like a big thing, but fat and fat and cholesterol can go hand in hand. But then fat it was all about fat. So you can eat all the sugar you want. Just watch out for the fat. Right. Now it seems like there's a bigger push now for sugar. And in fact, a lot of the diets now are, are not so much, you know, low fat, but l- low sugar. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Yeah. So I think there there are a couple issues here. I think one of the main things is that people, you know, I mean, I've talked to you before and you know I'm all about moderation totally. and everything. And I think that one of the main issues is we get a little bit of research. And obviously, with as with any field, nutrition is always evolving. We're always finding out new information and kind of trying to adjust. But I think people take those little things that we find and they just go 100% in. Yeah. And so then, you know, we all of a sudden switch to something else and then it causes problems. Whereas if we were to just kind of be a little bit more balanced and say, hey, don't eat quite as much fat or as much sugar and just be more balanced overall, we wouldn't have these issues where we have to keep shifting back and forth because we'd already be balanced and kind of in the middle. But we just tend to go to extremes whenever we get a little bit of new information. (laughs) It's like we're a bunch of kids. Yeah, we right? just go 100%. Yeah, and if it's like, so if mom has a big bowl of, um, like, what are they called, fruit snacks, uh-huh. then the kids will just keep eating the fruit snacks till they're gone. Right, exactly. But if she brings out chips, they'll eat the chips. So it almost, it just doesn't matter because we're just going to take whatever we got. Mm-hmm. Talk yeah. about um, sugar, though. 
it seems like, I mean, you, you have a great website, bakingdietitian.com, and mm-hmm. it seems like um, we're putting sugar in things that we don't necessarily have to put sugar into. We do, yeah. I mean, sugar is added in a lot of things. And one of the main things with, um, you know, the low-fat, when the low-fat craze was happening, then all of a sudden people were buying all these low-fat foods. But in order to make them still taste good, because they were taking a lot of the fat out, they loaded them with sugar. <laughs> so all these things like, sal- you know, if you buy a low-fat salad dressing, a lot of times you may not notice, but if you look at the label, it's going to have a lot more sugar than a salad dressing that's higher in fat. Right. I mean, if you see your children just drinking the salad dressing... There's probably too much sugar in it. Probably a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I mean, in general, just most people, actually, I was kind of reading up and found found some statistics that said that the average American consumes about 88 grams a day, which is way over what most people's 10% would be. Wow. What, what, what are, how many are we supposed to be consuming roughly? Right. So it kind of obviously depends on your, how many calories you need to consume a day. But if we just go on the average about 2000, you know, 2000 is kind of the average that we usually use. It may be a little higher or lower depending on the person. But on average, if you're eating a 2000 calorie diet a day, you should be consuming about at most 50 grams of protein or sorry, of sugar a day. So 88 is a lot higher than, than what we should be eating. And lots of added sugars. How much is in, for example, a Coca-Cola? So um, I, I actually know this number. A 20-ounce Coke has 65 grams of sugar, so more than your daily intake in just one Coke. Holy cow. So if you're throwing back four Cokes, four 20-ounce Cokes a day... That's going to add up pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, and that's not even including your salad dressing. Exactly. Yeah, that's not including everything else that you're eating for the day. You're donut for breakfast and, you know, all those other things that you're eating. What, what do you think? What, what? So you think the average is 88 grams per day is Around what people... Around there, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't seem accurate either. Yeah, I'm I'm sure for most people it's high. And that's that's just talking about added sugar. Yeah. So that's not like normal, you know, fruit sugar yeah. and milk sugar and things like that. Is um, now I've heard also somewhere through the grapevine that there may be a push to actually start taxing sugar. There, there has been talk of that. They actually did that in Mexico. Um, they put a tax on sugar, and they did see that it reduced the. Obviously, you know, people aren't going to be as likely to buy it if it costs more. So it did reduce the purchases of those sugary beverages that they taxed by about 12 percent. Um, and they've talked about doing it here um, in Berkeley, California. They did that in 2015. Um, they don't know yet really what the effects were, but they've talked about taxing it. I have kind of mixed feelings on that. I think in, in one, on one side of the argument, I can see how it would be good in reducing it. But on the other side, I think, you know, we need to be more focused on teaching people about why they need to reduce their sugar as right. opposed to just saying it costs more. So. Yeah. I mean, again, there was a whole, there was a whole uh, you know, tea party movement. Mm-hmm. That happened many, many years ago because you started taxing tea. Right. You, we don't want a sugar party movement. Yeah, probably. All not. of a sudden, is um, are the calories? Uh, I mean, I guess all calories really aren't alike. Every time I sugar up, it seems like I burn through my sugar faster than if I've had you know some peanuts or. Right. So that's one of the things with the the high sugar diet is. Um, your body, because sugar is broken down faster than fat and protein, when you eat something that's really sugary, you'll notice probably if you eat, you know, a bowl of sugar cereal for breakfast as opposed to like some eggs or something, um, you tend to be hungry a lot more quickly than if you're eating protein and fats. And that's because the protein and fat is absorbed more slowly. And so it keeps you full longer. So Mm. if you're eating a high sugar 
food for all of your meals, then you're going to be a lot hungrier and probably be eating a lot more overall just because you're burning through that faster, you're digesting it faster. And, and it seems like with kids, I mean, they need a certain amount of sugar as well, right? So right, yeah. you can use it appropriately. Yeah, and as long as you're consuming it in the right amounts and you're consuming mostly good sugar, you know, mostly that natural sugar that's found in fruit and dairy, our body needs carbohydrates, and carbohydrates are, you know, sugar that's broken down. Um, Our brain's main source of fuel is from carbohydrates, so we definitely need carbohydrates and sugar, but we just need to make sure that we're eating them in the right amounts. It's when we overconsume them that then we have too much for how much energy we're expending, and we start to store that as fat, and that's what starts to cause those problems. And carbs, um, I mean, carbs, you know, breads, white, I always think of it as white things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Do we end up, because that is eventually converted, I guess, into a sugar. Yeah, so carbs that we eat are broken down into sugar. That's why, you know, diabetics that are watching their blood sugars, they have to limit their carbs because carbs are broken down into sugar. And you have complex and simple carbs. Complex carbs are those carbs like oats and, you know, those whole grain things that we eat. And those are absorbed usually. They they have more fiber, so they're actually digested slower um, and have more of a benefit of the fiber and the vitamins and minerals than those simple sugars. Mm. So you really, if you add complex carbs to your diet, your sugars will kind of burn through you slower. Yeah, because you're usually, you know, the fiber and things that are found in those complex carbs helps to slow down digestion. But if I drive in to, um, you know, get gas and I run in and grab a snack, the odds of that being a complex fiber or a complex carb is very low. Unless you can find some, you know, whole wheat bread or oatmeal probably. Probably going to be a pretty simple carb. (laughs) So really our diets, and if you think of your children at school and going to a vending machine, there's a pretty good shot that everything in the vending machine is a complex carb or a sugar. Yeah, usually usually they're pretty simple. You know, you've got like... Pop-Tarts and different things like that, soda, and those are usually going to be simple carbs that you're going to burn through. You know, I call that breakfast. Yeah, I I, I so eat my, my share of Pop-Tarts once in, once or twice, but... Yeah, I bet you didn't. <laughs> you really didn't. Back in the old days. Yeah, back when you were young. Um, yeah, before I knew. Before you, yeah, before you were a dietitian. Uh, yeah. Did Does, um, so, so just help me with this then, um, and we'll come back and talk about fats because uh-huh. that's a whole other ball game yeah so this morning you know i'm running out of my house everyone else is sleeping i've got to go get gas for my car mm-hmm. what should i grab at my house that would be fast and not just a sugar or carb load Right. Um, So obviously having things prepared is going to be your best bet. Uh, You can find quick things. Usually, like a lot of times I'll do a piece of fruit and some peanut butter for breakfast because that's, um, you know, it's it's sugar in the fruit, but it's a healthy, natural fruit sugar. And then if you pair it with something like some peanut butter where you've got some healthy fats and some protein, that'll help slow down that digestion. So some fruit and peanut butter, um, you know, a handful of nuts. Um, if you can, like, pre, I know, like, my roommate will hard boil eggs the night before mm-hmm. and take, like, eggs with her. Um, so things like that, you know, some whole wheat, a piece of whole wheat toast or bread with some peanut butter on it, things like that, that you can just kind of grab pretty quickly and go, or, you know, even have, like, pre-made smoothie packets that you can just throw in the blender really quick, That's an, and then, you know, just take with you. Those are kind of easy options. That's great. You know, one thing, Andrea, about uh, a hard-boiled egg and I did a whole show on this one, uh-huh. is they're hard to peel with one hand. They kind of 
rebar. That is true. So maybe maybe pre-peel yeah. them. Yeah. Or <laughs> See all the work? It takes yeah, all this work. It can be difficult. You don't want anyone getting in a car wreck trying to peel their eggs. I know. Did that. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll come back and continue talking about this with our, our great, uh, our favorite nutritionist on earth. Andrea Ovard's joining us from The Baking Dietitian. Go check out her website, bakingdietitian.com. We'll come back, continue the discussion. We're going to come back and talk about fats. You know, ugh, fats and event and cholesterol. I want to see how that all goes together. Stick with us, folks. Uh, doing what we can to help you live longer and hopefully ha- happier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. everybody to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. Uh, our goal on this show is to help you get the information you need to lead your life, to help your family, your children, your spouse, if you want to, make it to 100 years of age. You know, But not just because you're preserved so well with all the preservatives, but living a healthier, happier life. And uh, who better to help us with that than Andrea Ovard, who is the Baking Dietitian. If you go to her website, bakingdietitian.com, Andrea is a registered dietitian and a bakery owner. Holy cow, Andrea, lucky. <laughs> yeah. Do you just do you just sit and eat pastries all day? I wish. I wish that were my life. That would be great. <laughs> do you ever, Andrea, just, just, I don't know, drive by a Burger King or whatever, uh-huh. name the place, and just say, I'm going to go pound myself a big, huge, juicy hamburger? Um, <laughs> you know, I don't very often. Every once in a while, I like a good burger or something like that. I, I try to not do it very often, but every once in a while, yeah, I think, you know, everyone deserves a treat here and there. But after, do you feel like you've just blown it? No, I try not to. I think, you know, if I eat healthy most of the time, then I should be able to enjoy myself every once in a while and have those treats. So I, I usually don't feel bad about it. <laughs> I like the attitude. I like it. Um, yeah, I don't do that either. Of course not. <laughs> I think I did it this morning. Um, here's what I want to know. Uh, talk to us about fat, like because like, my wife won't eat fat. Okay. But she'll throw back some Swedish fish. Uh-huh. And um, she, so, what what do we need to worry about when it comes to fats? You were talking about carbs, complex mm-hmm. and simple carbs. Aren't there also kind of healthier fats, less healthy fats? There are, and this is quite a hot topic right now, um, especially, you know, working on the cardiac units like I do. I get a lot of questions yeah. about fats and which kinds of fats to eat and what to avoid. There, So there are kind of, when I what I tell my patients, there are two different kinds of fats. There are unhealthy heart fats or f- fats that aren't very healthy for your heart and then fats that are healthier and help um, increase your good cholesterol. So you've got they're called um, unsaturated fats and saturated fats. The saturated fats and the trans fats are the ones that you want to avoid and limit. And then the mono and polyunsaturated fats, those are the ones that are helpful for your heart and are good for you. So the mono, that, uh, so that's like meaning singular, one yeah, fat. Yeah. And, and what are the other and, and Mono and polyunsaturated fats. So okay. kind of their molecular structure makes them, I mean, I won't get too into it, but makes them better as far as like how they're processed in your body and they help to increase your good cholesterol. You just don't want, you don't want your fat saturated 
and you don't want them trans. You don't want them. What does trans mean? Trans is kind of like a man-made saturated okay. fat. Um, and it's yeah, that's actually the recommendation for trans fats is zero, which is pretty impossible to to get always. But you want to aim for as little as possible. Okay. And so the uh, the unhealthy fats, I would imagine, would arrive in the form of a Twinkie. Yeah, usually, yeah, usually the saturated and trans fats are found in like baked goods. They're found in uh, fatty animal products like high fat dairy foods or red meat, butter, things like that. Usually. So pretty much my last question to you. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. Um, and and then the healthier fats are found the polyunsaturated, the the mono. Yeah. Yeah. Where Those are they are found? Found in nuts, in um, avocados, in olive oil, things like that. Okay. See, this is where it gets difficult. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem is we have to we have to get intentional, don't we? Right. We have to yeah, we have to know what what is good and what is you know, needs to be limited. So when you say have a good breakfast, watch your carbs and your fats mm-hmm. but have some wheat toast or whatever and have uh some put some peanut butter on it. The peanut butter might is that is that a saturated fat? Most foods have kind of a combination, so it does have saturated fat in it. It also has some of those good fats in it. It has a lot of protein and things like that, so that's why I say, you know, it's a good source of protein. It's a good source of healthy fats. It does have some uh, some saturated fats, but, you know, you need all kinds of fats, at least in, to some extent. Right, and I guess to the, the point of it all is that you just, you can you can be healthy and have peanut butter in the morning and, you just then would have to watch your lunch, too, and watch right. your dinner, and in the yeah. end, it'll all balance out. Yeah, and you just want to make sure that you're shooting for that, you know, less than 10% per day of your of your food from saturated fat. Talk to me about the oils we use, because uh, growing up, it's gone everything from just kind of, um, you know, vegetable oil to canola oil to mm-hmm. all these different types of oil, and now it's all about coconut oil. It is. It is all about coconut oil. That's probably the question I get asked about the most, I would say, right now. So, And I actually wrote a, long, a big blog post on this just because I had had so many questions about it. So coconut oil versus other oils versus butter. Um, coconut oil is kind of the craze right now, and it is actually very, very high in saturated fats. Um, the the research still um is saying that we don't really know we're not you know for the most part it's saying we still need to limit our saturated fats and actually if you break down the nutrition between coconut oil and butter coconut oil has 12 grams of saturated fat per tablespoon so it's about 90% saturated fat whereas butter which is you know something we think of as a bad un- unhealthy fat only has about um, 64% of saturated fat per tablespoon. So it's about seven grams. Wow. So about half of what coconut oil has per tablespoon. Yeah, because people, it's almost like people feel more pure mm-hmm. because they're eating coconut. Right. And I think oil. a lot of people, um, you know, just hear from somebody who heard from somebody who heard from somebody that coconut oil is the new craze and it's going to cure Alzheimer's and make you yeah. lose weight and all of these things. And honestly, research has found, I mean, there is some research saying that the fatty acids found in coconut oil may help to raise your HDL, which is your good cholesterol, but it also raises your LDL, which is your bad cholesterol. So, I mean, there is some benefit, but overall, it's not like you want to start switching out all of your healthy olive oil for coconut oil. <laughs> you know, it's it's almost too, I guess, this is where it's all about marketing, because then mm-hmm. we're just trying to sell more oil. 
Right, yeah, and you know, it it catches on, and then everybody starts buying it. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people that I talk to that use it don't even really know why they're using it. They just heard that it was good. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same thing. I sometimes feel like because I love sushi Mm -hmm. that I'm really healthy. (laughs) Yeah, but I really only like tempura fried sushi. Yeah, so probably not not the most ideal kind. But again, in moderation. (laughs) I'm trying to eat more more fish, but I like it deep fried and battered. Isn't yeah. that funny how we work? There really mm-hmm. is a psychology to this, and I bet in in the um, in the cardiac unit that you work in, you probably see the psychology like totally in everyone's face. They almost died. Yeah, yeah, and it, it hopefully, I mean, for most people, it does start to kind of hit home. You know, you still have those people that that don't really care still. Yeah. But a lot of people, um, yeah, as soon as it's kind of a wake up call, they realize. A lot of people, I'll talk to them, and they're like, well, I haven't been eating, you know, because I'll ask, do you follow this diet at home? And they say, no, but I I know I need to now. You know, it's finally clicked with them that this is actually really important. And a lot of the diseases that are most common right now, diabetes, cardiac disease, those are very, very related to nutrition and exercise and our, you know, our physical health. And, And what would you say, what percentage of the cardiac patients that you see actually go after their cardiac event, I mean, and they're in a cardiac unit, it's mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah. Um, what percentage would you say actually go home and make the change? Um, you know, I mean, I, unfortunately, I don't, get, I don't get to follow a lot of them afterwards, but um, I see a lot of, or I see some of them come back for things, and um, I would say uh, maybe a little more than half, hopefully, wow. hopefully yeah. more than half. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? But yeah. I mean, that's, and again, I've, I've, I've a father-in-law that's a cardiologist and mm-hmm. is the healthiest man you've ever seen. Yeah. Exercises and his entire life, like he'll have a salad with a ton of vegetables with like no dressing, uh-huh. like no, no, like no lubricant fluids Nothing to get all. the salad down. Uh-huh. And, um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, he could still, he could still have plaque. Right. And, you know, a big part of heart disease, unfortunately, is genetic. So in that way, there's not a lot that you can do. But there are, I mean, obviously, diet affects it a lot as well. So it's kind of just, you know, that backup plan to if you have good nutrition, you're going to help control that as as part of, you know, genetics you can't really control. But unfortunately. Yeah. So talk, talk to us a little bit just about cholesterol. Genetics aside, What's the what's the equation between fats and cholesterol? Right. So, uh, like I mentioned, they dropped the recommendation from the dietary guidelines as far as how much cholesterol we're supposed to have. They did say still to limit it, but you know, obviously everyone was against eggs for so long and now we realize that it's actually not the dietary cholesterol that we're eating is what we've discovered through research that's raising our our serum or our body's cholesterol. It's actually the fat, the trans fat and the saturated fat that we talked about. Those are actually the nutrients that are increasing our cholesterol in our bodies. It's not actually the dietary cholesterol that we're eating. Holy cow. So it really is just if you have a trans fat or uh, a saturated fat, high fat diet, you're more that you're adding more to your dietary fats. Right. That's what's going to raise your cholesterol versus as opposed to the the dietary cholesterol that you're eating. Interesting. And what percentage would you say is just genetics of your cholesterol problem? Uh, you know, I don't know an exact percentage, but I, I would say a fair amount. I mean, I know people that I, I have high cholesterol in my family, and I think I had a pretty healthy diet, and I do have normal cholesterol levels, but they're on the, the upper end of normal. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it comes down to genetics and I mean that's so. that's that is kind of to me the 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 just the crazy draw of 
the genetic pool, right? Right. You're yeah. you're tall, you're skinny, mm-hmm. you're healthy, yet and you eat healthy and yet you could still have high cholesterol or yeah. bordering high because of genes. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I, and I, for me, I think that even makes it more important. You know, some people take the approach that, well, I can't help it, so I'm just yeah. going to do whatever I want. Whereas I kind of look at it the opposite way. Like, you know, if you have these genetic predispositions, then try to do everything you can to make that not end up causing problems. And, you know, there's this whole nutrigenetics thing that's coming out now. It's still very new, kind of as talking about, like, eating a diet for your genetics. And it's still, like I said, very new. But, you know, there may be some effects that how you eat can actually kind of have an effect on how your genes end up coming into play. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like how they synthesize or how they work together. Yeah, how things, you know, how diseases end up manifesting themselves based on how you're eating for your genetics. Well, and it seems like the number one way to manage your sugar and your fats and your coconut oil intake Mm -hmm. is is simply to feel better in the moment. Yeah. Right? I mean, you feel you feel weird when you've just had your sixth donut. Uh-huh, right. It doesn't feel great. Yeah. And I I notice for sure when I'm eating healthier and when I'm exercising, I feel a lot better overall. And not even physically, but just emotionally and spiritually, you know, just everything. Oh. I just feel better in general when I'm healthy and I know I'm taking care of myself. And and, and too, there's just seems like you you feel in a way like you have more self-control, more s- discipline. Mm-hmm. You you feel more centered. Right, yeah, and as you know, I think the more that you practice that and the more that you actually do that, the easier it becomes to continue that lifestyle and that change. Mm, I like it. Andrea, give us, uh, we have a couple minutes left. What would you say, is there anything else that's like atop of your mind as a professional, a nutritionist, uh, a dietitian that sits in a cardiac unit and right. talks to people? What What else should we be focusing on? Um, I think, you know, and I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I think at the end of the day, it really just comes back to moderation and people always want this cure-all. And I thought that was something that was interesting with the dietary guidelines is they're not very specific they're, for the right. most part. They don't give you, you know, eat this every day for these meals. It's pretty general and they really focused this time on saying, you know, you can have a lot a big big variety of what your diet is and there can be a lot of different ways to eat healthy and it's just about moderation and it's about eating mostly healthy foods mostly fresh foods and you know lean proteins and vegetables and fruits and then indulging every once in a while and you know I think when you're able to kind of find that balance that makes it more of a lifestyle change and something that you're able to live with for the long run and for you know your life as opposed to trying different diet after different diet whereas it doesn't last because you're not really learning and you're not really figuring out how to eat healthy you're just jumping from craze to craze and then when we find out new information you realize that the last craze was actually (laughs) completely the opposite of what you wanted you know of of the benefits that you were trying to get it's like you're just you're just swinging right you're swinging from one extreme to the next extreme and i guess your belief is if you you keep swinging on the pendulum long enough you will have spent a lot of time in the middle yeah hopefully somewhere in there you're balanced but that's your point your point is just live in moderation. Yeah, and I think if you do that, then you won't have to worry about, you know, all these changes from this to this because you're already living that moderation. So it's not like, you know, when we get this new information, you may have to make a couple of small changes, but you're not completely shifting from the opposite. See, that's a good philosophy. 
So. That's why you are the baking dietitian. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope so. You're awesome. Andrea, we appreciate you. Thanks yeah, for thank enlightening so us again. Of course. We'll, we'll have you back on the next crazy topic. Sounds great. Andrea Ovard's her name. Go look at her website, ba- the baking di- or bakingdietitian.com, bakingdietitian.com, and uh, you can go see all of her great articles, her, her blog, and... Um, you know, you can learn some great recipes as well. Interesting stuff, folks. Stick with us. We'll come back, wrap up this first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Great advice. We need to have... We need to have her on more, Terry, because uh, I'm pretty sure if I talked about the healthy things of life every day, I'd be a little bit healthier. You know, I just, I just, I'm that easy. If I had, if I had remembered that Andrea was going to be talking about fats today, I probably wouldn't have had two Rice Krispie treats on the way in. <laughs> anyway, um, happy hug day. Hug day. It's the, uh, it's, it's, hug day is the sixth one in Valentine's week and celebrates the innocent and intimate act of hugging to express to dear and near ones that you love them. Uh, by the way, Garrett Rushforth is filling in for Ben today. Uh, and that's because yesterday was hug day for Ben. And we done hugged him out of town. Poor guy. So, Garrett, we promise we won't over-hug you. I appreciate it. Hey, did you hear about um, a great Valentine's Day activity? If you believe in Goodwill, the the stores, Goodwill stores, um, and giving your used clothing or gently used clothing to Goodwill, today is the day to donate your ex-husband or wife's stuff. In preparation for Valentine's Day, one way, one cathartic way to, to, to allow the energy and negativity of your, your, your breakup in order to get rid of that. Donate all of your, your ex's stuff to Goodwill. That just makes sense. Doesn't it make sense? It's logical. Like, you might want to tell them, but in Florida, they are encouraging people that are coming off of a breakup to help Goodwill by, you know... Donating items belonging to your former partners. The Goodwill Minnesota store says, Donate your ex's stuff. It's, it's a Valentine's Day effort, and it will encourage heartbroken members of the community to donate the remnants of past relationships. The quote says, Certainly we're, we're having a little fun at the expense of Valentine's Day, but benefits derived from those seeking the pride of earning a paycheck and the self-worth that comes with self-sufficiency are priceless. So you're going to help people that are trying to have a job and trying to get back on their feet by donating your ex's stuff. Now, sure, when your ex comes back looking for their stuff. Where's my Maserati? Oh, I gave it to Goodwill. Pretty sure I left. Uh, did I leave my uh, suit here? Yeah, you did. <laughs> it said Goodwill. <laughs> anyway, that's just one way to handle it. But if you are looking for another Valentine's date, uh, KFC they're trying some really interesting date night uh, service act opportunities for you where, you know, you want to bargain. You still want a deal, right? You want to go get your barbecue beans and corn on the cob. It's all at KFC. But here's the deal. 
KFC is going to back you up when it comes to Valentine's Day. KFC in England, they're debuting a date night table service with the hopes of rolling it out nationwide next year if it goes well. The date night experience includes linen napkins, flowers, a silver candelabra table service with your bucket served on a little raised stand, like a little champagne stand, I guess. And you can take your take your queen, take your bride, mosey on up to one of those little chairs that hardly move and squeeze yourself into those little tables and grab yourself a greasy little chicken leg. My dear, would you like the leg or the <laughs> wing? Oh, boy. Nothing nothing says love more than K- a romantic dinner at KFC. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I don't think they're doing it in the States. Come on, U.S. Anyway, it's it's only 18 bucks to have a fine linen meal with KFC. Plus, at the very end, just think how romantic. You get to rip that cute little uh, wipey and pull it out and then wipe your hands. And wipe that grease off your face, and then a little KFC kiss, sealed with a kiss. Beauty. We're going to take a break, folks. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Next hour, more interesting ideas. In fact, next hour, we're going to be talking about how to quit being indecisive. How to make a decision, folks. Stick with us. Interesting stuff. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. It's Friday, folks, and it's not just any Friday. It's the Friday before Valentine's Day. Are you getting ready? Do you have something special planned for the missus? Hmm. I am hosting an event uh, with 1,200 people, 600 couples. Love Fest 2016. Love a Palooza. And uh, I am still trying to figure out what I'm going to speak on. I kind of like to not know. I like the surprise when I'm in the middle and in front of 1,200 people, and then I realize, that's what I'll speak about. We're speaking about being in love. In fact, I have a uh, a little wristband that says, in love right now, because of Valentine's Day. And nobody says, in love more than Terry South. Absolutely. Right? I'm I'm basically Cupid. I was wondering. Without the costume. I was like, what's with the diaper? (laughs) Hey, what uh, what are you doing for the misses? Well, our anniversary was the first of February. She was sick. Yeah, like really, you know, not in the mood for any sort of. <laughs> let's remember this is a wonderful time of our lives. Did you try to hug her? Oh yeah, sometimes I mean, you, you know, can hug that away. Try to, This wasn't. This was bad. This was <laughs> deep in the lungs. Just gross. She um. Like, she actually had to get up and leave and go sleep in another room because it was... She was hacking. Coughing, and it was just ridiculous. So, um, we're going to do our anniversary stuff, sort of Valentine's yeah. Day. I don't know. You know, you can come to my date night. Yeah, we have some tickets to another event, so... Well, what? hold on. What other event? It's it's different. Like, what could Any be... Any other event. What would be better than two hours with me? 
driver training because, you know, you have too many points and tickets, <laughs> that kind of thing. Is that the event you're going to? Driver, no. <laughs> you're going to driving school. Driving school. They're going to teach me how to be a better, more defensive driver. But I think if you really wanted to improve your marriage, yeah. you'd, you'd want to be to this event. You had an event last night. Did I? There's photographs on Twitter. I did? Oh, yeah, a couple nights ago. Yeah. 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 Was it a couple nights ago? Yeah. Okay. But they posted the. It's hard to remember what I did last night. Yeah. Oh, we got our car back. We had a car uh, getting fixed for six weeks. Oh, that's you were telling me about. Yeah, that. Yeah, it was fantastic, and um, no. we drove it, and it it drives exactly as it was driving before. So the problem hasn't been fixed. No. Okay. No. And you paid for this? Oh yeah. Are you going to go back and say, "Hey, I paid for this, and nothing's fixed"? Yeah, we kind of have. Okay. And he's like, yeah, well, I, I, I guess I can. There, there's more I could fix. No, just fix what you were supposed to yeah, fix last so, time. So here's the point. Do you then turn the car back over to them for another six weeks? I don't know. See, that's my question. Yeah. I don't want to turn it back. Well, since you've already paid for the service, well, I know, but, it. I know, but then I have to give my car back. I realize this. We ha- I had a similar problem several years ago. So, I mean, it, it'd be great, but... After six weeks being told every day that the car's ready or is about to be ready, I started thinking, you know what? Maybe, maybe this guy doesn't know what he's doing. But now that I have my car but in my you paid, possession. you paid for it. So at some point, you either need a refund or you need him to do the job. Yeah. So you need to have a discussion. No, we do. Yeah, we have. Do you have anyone big and burly you can bring with you kind of as intimidation? Yeah, but my sisters don't want to get involved. Okay, well, there's always that option. Maybe you and Terry can do that for Valentine's Day. Yeah, Terry, maybe you could go talk to him. I'd be the quiet, you know, ruffian in the corner. I need I need a bloke. I need a tough... I'll come with you. Um, Garrett? No offense, but... Do you have do you have a lot of friends that could go with us? Um, like big friends? Muscly? Like no let's, neck? Let's start at friends. Okay. And then we'll, we'll go from there. Man, I opened a... <laughs> wow. I opened it. You, uh, you guys may need a council session. Hey, I have a special shout-out. Do we do that? Yeah. Oh, wow. New, se- new segment. New segment. Special shout-out to one of our shout one out. of our fans from Pasadena. Ooh. Pasadena Pat. Really? Anderson. Wow. She uh, loves the Matt Townsend show. I do my best. Pasadena Pat. She's incredible. And... She listens uh, from California, from Pasadena, and can't get enough of it. So, shout out to her. Well, there's 600 shows on the app. And to all of the peeps. There's more than 600. There's about 650. Wow. I know. So, Pat, we're glad you're listening. You and uh, all of the folks in Pasadena and California. And the greater... And parts beyond. and, And parts beyond. We're glad everybody's listening. But I just heard this was the this was a mother of a friend of ours, and she said, "Holy cow, she loves your show." Sometimes she'll just go sit in her car and listen to the show. They should; it's well produced. But a, don't leave the car running, and b, if you just go download the BYU Radio app or just go to byuradio.org, you can live stream it, and you don't have to sit in your car. You can just take it with you. You could just you could have it in your phone, or you could just sit in your wonderful den. Data charges do apply. Yeah. 
you're that's like you just wet blanket it down. You just gotta toss that <laughs> yeah, in. N- now that's a bummer deal. <laughs> Some people don't but, realize but that, that's that. what's great too about the podcast. Though you can download the podcasts, and once they're downloaded to your phone, well, on Wi-Fi, yes, yeah, at then Wi-Fi no at home, there's except no charge. for your charge that you pay for the Wi-Fi. Did you see, by the way? Um, Nothing's free. This elephant that got <laughs> loose in India. Yes, I saw that. Did you see it? Uh, how they took it away? Well, no, no. How did they? Lots of cranes. Go ahead. Well, they an elephant was loose. What do you do when the elephant is loose? It was mad. You it was let destroying it, a town. You let it do whatever it wants. And you can get in the way and... Here, kitty, kitty. Here, kitty. <laughs> Entice it with a peanut. That's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, they that thing was destroying buildings, and they it took four darts to trank that dude. And then you gotta go in with cranes. Is that they had these cranes to get <laughs> just, it out? They have this huge cradle harness thing, and they're picking it up, moving it around. I'm like seriously, back in the day, yeah, that thing was a piano. But how would you like to be the tech that has to wake that elephant up? Oof, go in there and poke it. Hey, hey, hey! Ah, hey. oh, there you go. Good, good, good elephant. Good elephant. It's <sighs> like my head. Ow! What'd you guys do to me? That's why today's Happy Hug Day. Did have an interesting story for you. What? You're vaping. Yes. Vaping. It's the electronic cigarettes. Electronic. Some people, you may see them now smoking vapor. A lot of them, they'll have this uh, electronic unit that they're able to kind of suck on. It looks on like a cigarette, but it might glow blue like or gl- green or Different whatever. colors. People can trick them out, make it's them do different things. In what may be a house first, Representative Duncan Hunter pulled out his e-cigarette and blew out a cloud of vapor during a hearing on banning the use of the devices on airplanes. He goes, so this is called a vaporizer, the Republican from California said. There is no combustion. There are no carcinogens, he said. There are no burning. There is nothing nauseous about the whatso- about this whatsoever. So it's like the smoke mm-hmm. isn't going to cause problems. Uh, he's a, a prominent advocate of vaping, argued that e-cigarettes are the future and that they help many smokers, including himself, quit smoking. That's nuts. Because our experts have said it, you're heating up a chemical. Yes. Period. There That's hasn't why been, it's there vaporizing. Hasn't, there hasn't been a lot of research on what this does to the user or to the secondhand smoke but inhaler. But this congressman's blowing... Blowing smoke, literally. He says the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, unmoved by the stunt, voted 33 to 26 to include va- a vaping ban in legislation on new Federal Aviation Administration policy. I don't think we want to have clouds of vapor inside an aircraft, said Representative Peter DeFazio, a Democrat who helped ban the cigarette smoking in planes 30 years ago. Yeah. Representative Bill Schuster countered that if uh, if a mere vapor is banned, body odor could be next. I've been on the floor before talking to some of you, and I've had to take a step back, he quipped. <laughs> so uh, the the argument uh, devolved into Bill, a, you're uh, vaping under your, un- under your arms. A fight over body odor. So it was kind of a well, funny comment. But yeah, he just takes a big, long drag and big puff. He goes, see, it's not cigarette smoke. Okay, let's just. But do we this. don't know what that was. It just went out into okay, the. Okay, so let's just room. have that guy. What was his name? Duncan. Yes, Duncan Hunter. Let's have Duncan California. Hunter sit there, vaping, while somebody like your wife, when she was hacking, yeah, let her hack vape. She can't breathe because that's vaping. Yeah, it's just minuscule molecules of fluid vaping over Duncan. See how he likes it. Absolutely. I'd be concerned about pneumonia, actually. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's just, I found that interesting. That is interesting. He does that, and then the guy comes back with body odor, and it was just kind of funny. Where does this end? You people on the house need to shower more. 
They just need to, I think, put us in little containers and seal us up and then just load us onto the airplane. Yeah. And that way I can just enjoy my own vape. Have your own atmosphere and everyone else can have theirs. And What's happening to this? Can you imagine, like, my grandpa who smoked cigarettes back in the day, if he saw the vaping thing... He would just, it would blow his mind. They're also having issues with those because people are modifying their uh, their vaporizer. Right. They're, they're making it so it it alters what it was originally built to do, and some of these blow up. Oh, really? Yes. Kind of like a hoverboard. Kind of like a hoverboard <laughs> because they're battery-powered. So yeah. it's kind of a similar issue, but there's other other Plus, things as they're modifying it, and they, they've they exploded in people's faces. They've exploded around other people. Oh, no they're way. yeah Plus, uh, dangerous. these... You can also vape things other than nicotine. Yes. So there's all sorts of fluids that you can yeah. get with flavors. And that's the other problem. When you, uh, I don't want to smell like cherry and blueberry. No, no. And, that, and that's what they smell like. Can you can you vape Diet Coke? Maybe. I think anything can be vaporized. You can vape anything. Absolutely. Hey, that might be our next product. Instead of taste it, we might do vape it. Vape it. So. Can you vape a roast beef sandwich? <laughs> sure you can. Vape it. Hey, uh, Terry, what's going on in the headlines? Anything going on we need to worry about? Thanks, Matt. Other news, Hillary Clinton blamed Bernie Sanders. Uh, Claim Bernie Sanders wants to grow the U.S. government by about 40% during the opening minutes of Thursday's Democratic debate in Milwaukee. She went on to claim the numbers don't add up when looking at what Sanders is promising in services versus what citizens will pay in taxes. She said they should level with the American, he should level with the American people about how much their proposals will cost, Sanders fired back saying there will be a limit on size of the government if he's elected president, but he's for fixing what needs to be fixed, be it health care or injustice, regardless of the initial cost of the government. He says the government has a moral obligation to look out for its people. Sanders' biggest proposal is single-payer health care or Medicare for all that he maintains would save Americans money. And there's a lot of disagreement on that. In other news, Facebook, working a partnership with the journalism uh, website 538, which does uh, political stats, has launched for the first time an interactive map of the U.S. revealing the number of likes each presidential candidate has collected on the social media platform. Oh, who's winning? If likes were votes, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders would beat Hillary Clinton nationwide by nearly 3 to 1. Wow. Republican side frontrunner Donald Trump would garner more support than Texas Senator Ted Cruz and Florida Senator, Senator Marco Rubio. Well, that doesn't seem fair, though, because he had, you know, he had all of his shows. All's fair in love and war and politics. <laughs> Good. Allegedly. Donald Trump and Univision Communications settled their lawsuit following Univision's decision not to broadcast the Miss Universe and Miss USA pageants. The terms of the settlement are said to be confidential. Trump used to own the Miss Universe organization, and the Spanish-language broadcaster backed out of carrying his pageant after he made disparaging remarks about Mexican immigrants and a so-called wall that he was going to build and have Mexico pay for. Trump has, uh, and Randy Falco, Univision's president and CEO, both said they were glad to have finally resolved their differences. Many believe that this deal was set because the Republican primaries will be in states that are heavily populated by Hispanic voters in Nevada and other and parts beyond. And, yeah, and he needs his message. He out. wants this taken care of so that Univision will not Once be again, so. showing you that Donald's not an idiot. No. At least he's a marketing genius. He realizes what he needs to do to get votes. Um, after several hours of negotiations with 27-year-old David Fry at Oregon's National Wildlife Refuge, all four remaining occupiers have surrendered. Fry, Fry stood his ground over abortion and said that he was feeling suicidal. 
At one point he said on a live stream, until you guys can address my grievances, you'll probably have to kill me or watch me kill myself. Oh boy. And later he backed off. And yeah. Walked out and they arrested him. Holy cow. He was the uh, the main star of the live stream that I was watching. Was he was he the one with his wife that was always by the truck? Um I believe so. <laughs> no, no, no. Those two people were by the truck with his wife and he was back in the cabin with the live stream. Was he the Oh, he Oh, he was the guy that was running the laptop. Yeah. He has glasses uh-huh. and a beard. Yeah, 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 that guy. Skinny guy? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that guy. Oh, I loved him. The tech, the guy in the back. What was his name? Uh, let's see. I, I just wanted right to call him like Otis. David Fry. David Fry. Okay. The star is born. He threatened a lot of stuff and then uh, walked out. So the occupation officially <sighs> over. Over. Well done. Everybody's safe. You've made your points. We understand you're angry. Now all the people that work at the refuge can get back to work. Now they've got to go, you know, put the dirt back in those holes. Yes, since they were <laughs> digging holes. I, I don't know what they were doing. I don't. I need they to figure laying, that out. They were I think, a new fiber optic cable. Is that what they were doing? It looked like it. Setting up some Wi-Fi for the, uh, for the, for the settlement Live there. Live stream. Um, a survey of 141,000 incoming college freshmen has found that the class of 2019 is politically engaged, committed to volunteering, and historically ready to protest. The 2015 poll participants reported substantially greater likelihoods of participating in a student protest and demonstrating while in college compared to previous years, clocking the highest level of protest plans since the first such survey in 1967. But not all freshmen are equally ready to take to the streets. Sorting the answers by race, the pollsters found that black and Latino students are significantly more likely to anticipate protesting on campus than their Native American, Asian, and white counterparts. Huh. Well, this is something really that I think is interesting because we always talk about the millennials, you know, being not caring. But this is their this, this is the millennial movement. The millennials are turning out for these people for uh, the burn. They're feeling the burn. They're feeling the burn. Plus, they're protesting. Yeah. So to think that the millennials just don't seem to care or aren't involved. I think they care about what yeah. they care about. And they're actually changing they don't care about. I mean, let's change the institution. They're not. They're upsetting two parties like crazy. They are. Both are, are scrambling to figure out how to get ahead of votes. And Interesting. Hil- you can just see the frustration. Hillary Clinton. This was supposed to be easy. Yeah. She was supposed to coast right to the White That's House. That's why that comment. You're not in the White House yet, Hillary. Yeah. That is. And here Bernie comes up on the outside and picks up all this young. I mean, because they said before, the young people like President Obama because he was the cool candidate. Right. Bernie Sanders isn't cool. No. But, but he has... He's dif- got the ideas. Different options, different ideas, people like that. But then, He's the original hipster. I there, mean, have you seen his hair? Oh, yeah. Oh, he is the original. That or I heard. Who said it? Someone said it looks like he combs his hair with a balloon. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Some comedian. It was funny. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, um, interesting news. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, Dr. Susan Krauss-Whitborn will be joining us. Uh, She is going to be talking to us about an article um, she wrote about five ways to get out of indecisiveness. Can you just not decide? Ah, I don't know. Should I do it? Should I not? Should I take the job? Should I not? Interesting stuff. She's been on the show before. A wonderful guest. Get ready to learn, folks, how to not be so indecisive. Make a decision. Stick to it. We'll give you the tools. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
friends. You're hot, you're cold, you're in, you're out, you're up, you're down. What do you do? How do you make these decisions? Are you the type of person that has to revert to eeny, meeny, miny, mo to make some of the biggest decisions in your life? Indecisiveness can leave us paralyzed, whether it be for trivial matters, you know, is what just what to order when you're out to dinner with somebody, or the more important life decisions, such as which job to take or whom to marry. Today we have Dr. Susan Krauss Whitborn joining us. She recently wrote an article for Psychology Today entitled Five Ways to Get Out of the Indecisiveness Trap. She joins us now from, I believe, her, her office at uh, the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Dr. Susan Krauss Whitborn, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you, Matt. It's nice to be back. I know. I love having you back. Your brain, we need to, we need to access your brain to help us make better decisions here. What, yeah. why, why are people, and I guess not everybody is indecisive, but what leads to this indecision? Why, why do we struggle with it? I think, well, I think there are a number of reasons. In the blog I wrote about um, emotional intelligence, um, but there, I could back, we can talk about that as well and, yeah. and, and what it is, but I think people also just get stuck um, because of beliefs that what they do is really going to have some sort of impact down the road from what they, their decision becomes more important in their minds than it actually is. Yeah, that, it's, it's almost when they're overthinking the decision, they're, they're giving it too much weight. That's right, that's right. Um, yeah, I was just talking to a student actually about our beliefs in causality and how we're always looking for causal explanations of even random small things. So once you start going down that pathway, you can really become paralyzed in indecisiveness because you, you just feel like, oh, this is going to make a huge difference. Um, I mean, you see it. I, I was at a, a basketball game last night, and uh, UMass actually won. <laughs> Yay, good. And, and uh, I talked to one of my friends, and he said, I said, well, why aren't you wearing white? Everybody's supposed to wear white tonight. They were giving out white T-shirts. Uh, he was wearing yellow. He said, oh, because when I wore this last time, they won. <laughs> no, but that, that, that happens, huh? Like these, these athletes that they have to wear the same, you know, the same clothes or have the same routine yep. or it's going to mess up their game. We know that. We know that. So, so once you start to believe that what you do makes a huge impact, even on things where it doesn't, then you're going to be always sort of flummoxed yeah. as to what to do next. Well, and because and there, there's been some interesting books, I actually can't even remember the titles, about just the, the real, the randomness of everything. Yeah. And, and how if sometimes if you just realize that a lot of life is just very incredibly random. There are a lot of people that sing beautifully and incredibly well, Hundreds of thousands, I guess, will line up to go to do the American Idol auditions, and yet randomly one or two or three come out of it. Yeah. But there's still millions of other people that could do it. That's right. Well, although I think, you know, something like that, you have a bit of control. Um, what T-shirt you wear to a game has probably has no, no control, right? Zero. Yeah. Unless for some reason your yellow T-shirt was spotted <laughs> by a player and distracted them. <laughs> is this? Is it's almost like a? It's kind of an over focus on yourself. Um, I yeah, your, the I impact think so. of you. Yeah, seeing yourself as more as causing things that mm-hmm. don't actually happen. Um, but I, I think the other thing, and what I wanted to talk about regarding the blog, was the way that. Um, People don't necessarily have all that insight into um, their own decision-making and thinking about 
how they actually could make a decision that could be good. Mm. Um, so feeling that you always make lousy decisions is going to impair your ability to make good decisions. And, and why would we? Why would somebody come to the belief they always make bad decisions? Well, sometimes you actually do make bad decisions. Yeah, but still not always. I mean, right? You still got to work without dying. Yeah, I mean, there's indecisiveness and there's indecision, and they're kind of different. Um, I mean, indecisiveness is kind of annoying, um, but indecision about important things is potentially life-changing. That's mm. where it could make a difference. So if you're um, – and that's what this um, emotional intelligence, this is how that fits in, because if you really understand your strengths and weaknesses – and how you manage and how you cope, you'll be better at making a, a, the big decisions that really do count. Yeah, so knowing you, knowing how your emotions work, knowing what your feelings are kind of telling you could lead you to better decision-making. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and it's important to distinguish, you know, between the sort of neurotic, anxious indecisiveness then and this um, kind of being paralyzed because you, you, you don't truly understand yourself. Yeah. Do you see that a lot with your students? Or is this a human? Is this, I mean, and do we eventually learn to handle it a little better? Or is, yeah. is, are we just a bunch of, a, you know, you know, 50 year old, 20 year olds? Well, there, there certainly are those people, but I mean, everybody goes through, I mean, I work with college students, so I see them all the time trying to decide what they want to do, and it is normal to go through this. Um, in fact, you'd sort of hope that people would go through an, a period of indecision because that'll actually open you up to different possibilities. You know, somebody coming in as a first-year student and they want to just go into engineering because their parents are engineers, and they never think about it, that will come back to haunt you. So you haven't been indecisive, but you might have made what ultimately proves to be a bad decision. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, com sometimes confidence is blinding. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, but again, it de depends on the developmental stage. Like you said, um, I mean, a 50-year-old who's never made a, a really well-reasoned decision about what they want to do in life <laughs> right. is going to be in more trouble than that 20-year-old because the 20-year-old has has time and resources and also um, a lot of supports to make that decision. Um, they're not just doing it alone. Mm -hmm. does, does it, it seems like decision-making, one of the things that induces fears is that when I make a decision, it actually kind of sets up future decisions. So it, it might actually take away my freedom, I sense, or my independence. You know, if I decide to take this job, then I won't be able to have weekends free or whatever. Is, is, our, is our need for independence and freedom a part of our decision making? I think so, yeah. Um, I think people like to feel that they're making their own decisions um, rather than have somebody make it for them. Most people do. Some people like to have other people decide for them, um, but but it 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 yeah. I mean, it can be liberating or it can be crippling. I mean, that's what I, I said said in the blog. Um, some people want more autonomy than others, but the general decision making process does involve a kind of problem solving, where you're you're like the, even the example you provided. I, I want to have my weekends free. 
you know, most people don't really think about that when they make a decision about what career to go into. Hmm. But it's a good thing to think because it shows that you're really making concrete plans that will, you know, affect the outcome for you. If you go into a career without realizing all the sacrifices it involves, it's going to be much more painful when you actually have to make those sacrifices. So, so how do humans na- normally go through making a decision? Uh, <laughs> if they if they're not like looking at all of the potential caveats or potentialities, uh, I guess are we just doing it more emotionally? How do we actually process decisions? Uh, I think you know that's that, I, I would never generalize about humans. <laughs> yeah, we but we have the potential, uh, unlike other creatures, to make rational decisions. Um, emotions can be even involved in those, but we we're able to think about the future which is part of this, and then do a kind of means-end analysis. So we have the potential. Do we use it? Um, it depends. Mm, yeah. Not, not everybody does. And pro- Yeah, and probably not to our fullest, which is, again, why I think the emotional intelligence side of this is brilliant. Um, let's do this. Uh, uh, we, we are going to continue the discussion with Susan Krauss Whitborn in just a minute. We're going to come back and talk about uh, you know how we manage our emotional intelligence to get into understanding ourselves, you know the situations, how we can learn to adapt to these decisions, maybe minimize some of the pressure behind this. More folks uh, on the five ways to get out of the indecisiveness trap with Susan Krauss Whitborn. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Do you find yourself stuck in some um, in your decision making? You just can't. You, you don't want to commit. You don't know which way to commit. You're too worried about making a mistake. Um, it's it's an interesting dilemma that many of us uh, face as we are trying to navigate life and its many, many, many options. So we found a wonderful article uh, titled Five Ways to Get Out of the Indecisiveness Trap on Psychology Today by Susan Krauss Whitborn. She's been on the show before and uh, is, a, is a wonderful academic and understands, I think, um, you know, real life type of solutions with a, a really strong kind of research-based approach. Dr. Susan Krauss Whitborn, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you, Matt. You're so kind. Well, I appreciate it. I love I love when I can find academics that understand the research and the history or the the actual the study of it all, and yet can make it applicable to the rest of us folks. That makes it a lot easier. Talk well, to us you. about this emotional intelligence, um, because you basically say if we could if we could improve our emotional intelligence in in a variety of ways, which you'll share with us. It'll help us in our decision-making. And one of the first things you bring up is that we have to have this interpersonal intelligence. Yes, understanding yourself, intrapersonal. Intrapersonal. Your strengths and weaknesses. Um, this is one of the hardest steps for people to take because it, it involves a good hard look at the things about you that make you um, wonderful and terrific and your limitations. And those could be in any area. When, when we say intrapersonal, it could be anything about yourself, your abilities, your skills, 
and also the way that you relate to other people. And and by knowing, I mean, it makes sense, right? So if I can have a really good sense of myself, kind of everything going on inside my head and my, uh, you know, my, my, I guess my fears, my concerns, my weaknesses, but my strengths, my emotional abilities, my reactivity, if I can understand that about me, then that would help inform me about this decision. Yes, because you would be making it then on the basis of an outcome that will is achievable and also one that will help you feel better because what we seek in a decision is some sort of improvement from our current state of affairs. Mm. I mean, it's true. Like cuz you could you could almost rom- romanticize the idea of a job, for example, that it's going to be so great because I'll be at the university and sure the university is only 45 minutes away. And but you could actually get into it and not really look at the fact that you you're somebody that needs sleep. You're somebody yeah. that needs, you know, exercise or this is going to take away some of your freedom to do whatever. I mean, that's powerful to know who you are. That's right. That's right. And and I did say also your skills and abilities. Yeah, it's not. Ex- I mean, it's part of the picture too because it's understanding yourself. Um, but you know, I would have loved to have been a Broadway actress. Right. Right. <laughs> or musical comedy. Um, and according to my kids, that would be the furthest achievable life goal I could ever have. <laughs> Children are so rude today. Yeah. No, um, they're not. But isn't that true though? <laughs> so knowing yourself and actually managing your skill set. And I guess it's it's almost just a sense of being realistic. It is exactly that. Now it doesn't mean you can't have goals right. and want to improve yourself, but it's the understanding the difference between what you, what you have and what you could be within the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, no, I I think that's powerful. And I guess with all emotional intelligence skills, the, the premise behind them is that they're learnable. They're they're you can grow intrapersonal intelligence. Is that right? That's right. Um, in another blog recently, I've talked about uh, narrow-mindedness and openness to experience, and I think it's related to that, where you're actually tuned in to cha- new experiences, but also learning from your experiences, and um, and then relating them back to your sense of, of self. Okay. So if I can understand myself better, intrapersonal intelligence, then that might help us with the next tool in decision-making, which could be interpersonal intelligence. What does that That's mean? Right. That's how much you can read other people's feelings and accurately and and gauge a social situation. So some people are really good at this. They've got people skills, and they're able to – and that's important for decision-making because you're uh, – wanting to look at the results of your decisions and if you're just in some sort of dewy-eyed state that everything I do is fine and fabulous um, you're going to be making poor decisions hmm. in, in the long run and you know if if you're being sold something like I had a child that uh, he's about 20 21 and he's got this this one sales company that really they really want him to go out door to door and hmm. sell for him sell for this group and they are just the nicest people and uh-huh. they just talk him up and and I sit there and I think well you know they want you to go live in a foreign state and work door to door I mean I call <laughs> it a, not Utah. no I call it a foreign state because a state <laughs> that you don't ever probably want to go knock at that door in that community and you okay. would never imagine yourself living there but they, it's only for 4 months 
but you can make a lot of money. And so, but it really is. But my son was like enamored with it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. so how how do I, as a parent, maybe help help them open their minds, or can I coach the interpersonal intelligence? Can I help coach the intrapersonal? Yeah, I, I like the way you say coach because it's not influence. It's when you're coaching, you're helping other people to see things they may not see. Yeah. And and I yeah I I think the support of family or people who know you well can help in decision making. Lots of times people will go to a close friend or family member and say help. Yeah, right. <laughs> and knowing when you need help, or even if it's a silly thing, um, you know, should I make a chocolate or vanilla cake for this baby shower? Mm-hmm. I mean, and you're racking your brain about it. You just ask somebody, and they and they go, oh duh, everybody likes vanilla, so decision made when it comes to something like a life choice like the your your son i mean that's you can help people see what's going on you can coach in the sense of here's what to look out for in the in the sales pitch that somebody's throwing at you right and just and just have i mean really you can do that by just asking questions you you can coach by asking questions yeah have you have you thought of this idea have you thought of this option have you thought of this situation yeah, but you're also trying to talk about the trustworthiness of the people pitching. So, right. uh, you know, you might want to kind of get more data, have them get, have your son get more data about this company and find out if it's as great as, as you're being told. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, skills we can all learn. And really, I guess we're, we would we would actually probably keep in, potentially improving our interpersonal intelligence and intrapersonal intelligence through our whole life. Right. It just Absolutely. really never stops, right? It never stops. And then adaptability is the third point you bring up. Um, emotional intelligence facilitates adaptability. What do you What do you mean by that? Uh, that That's the being able to cope and feel that part of this relates to um, the next thing, which is stress management. But um, in adaptability really refers to being able to go with the flow and um, not being so set in your ways. And I, again, I actually wrote about this in my blog, Are You Too Predictable? <laughs> because being predictable can really set you into a, a life course that becomes unsatisfying. Mm. And in, in this case, the decision might be do something different. Yeah. And that would involve adaptability. Don't just always do the same thing. We we just had a, an expert yesterday talking about aging and trying to keep your life, you know, kind of kind of keeping a spark in your life, and it mm-hmm. may demand trying new things. Absolutely. And yet, and yet, if, like you're saying, if you're not adaptable, if you're unwilling to be flexible, you know, that rigidity will could eventually break you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when it does, it breaks pretty badly. Yeah. Or and or it could break people around you. Like we were talking yeah. about a husband that won't try, you know, a new class with the wife or won't go on go travel once in a while because he had to be in his chair watching his shows. Yeah, yeah, right. Hmm. Talk about the stress management cuz really in the end some of the reason we're getting pushback on this decision is cuz it stresses me. I I'm thinking this is bigger than maybe it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, decisions can be very stressful, especially for some people. And, and you know, that was one thing I emphasized is that personality plays a role and um, emotional stability helps a lot because it also helps you go with the flow more. But in stress management, uh, you're trying to manage your emotions 
emotion regulation uh, because decisions are stressful. The outcomes of decisions can be stressful. And if you feel that you can rely upon your ability to cope, whether it's to make help yourself feel better, which is emotion-focused coping, or to do something about the situation, which is problem-focused coping, um, either way, if you have good coping resources, it makes decisions less worse. <laughs> mm, yeah, less worse. That's a great way to put it. Less worse. Um, but you know what else is weird about stress management is – um, your, your, your inability to manage your stress could actually create my stress. Oh, for sure. Right? So if, if, if somebody has to make a decision about, so you need to choose which school you're going to go to, you need to choose, you need to choose. And if that person is really anxious for their child to choose, their anxiety could induce the fear of the choice. Yeah. Makes sense? I, yeah. Uh, well, kind of like... A- Contagion. Yeah, contagion theory. And then all of a sudden I'm like, why is she so stressed? We yeah. don't even have to choose for about three more months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get dragged. So, you know, again, with your question about your son, you, as as the more mature person or the uh, the person who's not having to make the decision, that's where you can really be helpful in identifying the best coping strategy. Because if something's happened and it's happened and it's a done deal and you can't change it, mm. So be it. But if there's a chance of changing and improving the situation so the problem goes away, then you want to be able to take that approach. But it's no good butting your head against a wall when that wall is immovable. But if there's any wiggle room, then you can you can find it and push up. Yeah, it's um, and I guess, too, the, the benefit of the emotional intelligence side of this is that I know that I can choose. I'm an agent that can kind of manage my emotion. I can learn better and better. My intrapersonal intelligence can teach me maybe better and better how to manage my own stresses. Exactly. Yeah, they definitely feed in on each other. It's powerful. The last thing you bring up, last tool for the decision-making uh, process is is just general mood. Emotionally intelligent people have the ability to influence their mood better. Yes, right. And and but there is a tendency for people to be optimistic or pessimistic and oh, you know, everything that happens is going to be bad and always being a Debbie Downer about things um as opposed to a rosy um seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. And that you know, you people will make kind of riskier decisions when they're in a really good mood. Mm-hmm. But if they're in a pretty good mood, not like elated or ecstatic they'll, they'll probably make a better decision because they're they're going to see things more in you know more kind of optimistic way and mm-hmm. that i can i can handle this i can solve this problem when you're in a bad mood everything seems too hard it feels hard it is hard and you might make either uh kind of more conservative decisions because you don't think you have the ability to to come up with a good solution or you might make bad solutions you you might come up with bad solutions because you say it doesn't matter what I do so I might as well just cash it all in yeah so it really your mood it might be better that you do sleep on it maybe go get in a better state to make the decision yeah sleeping makes you feel better <laughs> oh yeah or just eat but, some really good food yeah, I mean, but not such a high mood that you go and do something completely yeah. bonkers. Yeah, like get married <laughs> on your second date in Vegas. Exactly. You know, yes. sit yeah. it out. Wait till the weekend. Yeah, yeah, that helps a lot. But, but you know, if you're in a somewhat good mood it, it, and you, you kind of see more of the positive than the negative, it, it will help you in the long run. 
Um, and knowing that your mood influences your decision, back to intrapersonal intelligence, can also help because if you know you generally do see um, the glass is half empty um, you, and you know that about yourself, you can compensate. Yeah. And I love that you're basically just saying you're a human being and humans have the ability to grow their intelligence, their emotional intelligence, their intrapersonal, their interpersonal. You have the ability to adapt this. So you don't have to be stuck with indecisiveness. That's right. Absolutely. And and again, by turning to other people for help or by being your own little scientist and looking to see the outcome of your decisions and honestly evaluating them, that'll give you the strength you need to make future decisions. Mm. Love it. Well, we appreciate it. I mean, I think it's it just seems like a no-brainer, but you've also referred to your blog on psychology today. What's the name of it again, Susan? Fulfillment at Any Age. Fulfillment at Any Age. If you just look up Psychology Today, we'll post it on our Twitter uh, feed, at Dr. Matt Show. But go to Psychology Today and just look up Fulfillment at Any Age or Susan Krauss Whitborn, and uh, you can get to all of her great writing there as well. Susan, we appreciate you. you. Take care of everything back there, and hopefully your team keeps winning. Hopefully it does. All right, Matt. Thank great you, talking Susan. to you. You bet. You too. Take care. Great learnings, folks. I mean, again, you're already you're already you know endowed with this with these abilities to become more emotionally intelligent. You, it helps you live longer. It helps you make better decisions, and it's learnable. It's teachable. You can you can take classes on it. There's books on emotional intelligence, which is broken down, um, which breaks down this process as well. And you can apply it to your decision making. You can also just apply it to every other you know kind of function of being human. Interesting stuff. You don't just have to take everything that is. You have some power to influence or adapt, right? Change. More importantly, just learn. Whatever we learn today, we'll be able to use tomorrow in one way or another. Interesting stuff, folks. Helping you uh, hopefully love stronger and lead healthier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, you are an agent. You get to you get to make these decisions in your life. You also get to make the decisions for Valentine's Day. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I know for many, it's uh, a lot of singles just don't like Valentine's Day. It's it just I don't know. They they feel like it's just highlighting the fact that they don't have someone. And yet some are like, sweet, party time. And I don't even know that most married people necessarily love Valentine's Day. Because it does. It might feel like you're being forced, you're being coerced to have to love your partner. Here's some ideas. uh, 25 Valentine's Day ideas for couples. Creative ways to tell your spouse you love them from Family Life, the website familylife.com. Just we'll run through a few of them. On small pieces of paper, write down every kind of kiss that you can think of. Then fill an inexpensive red felt bag with your kisses and give it to your spouse. Ask your spouse to pull several pieces of paper from the bag and then give your sweetheart whatever kind of kiss described. 
Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lot of work. And I don't know where you get a red felt bag. Uh, how about uh, make a book about why you love your spouse and why you're thankful for them? Just sit down. Think of a hundred reasons why you love your spouse. That's fairly inexpensive, right? But that's a book that they can pull out and read anytime they want. You can also take your sweetie on a scavenger hunt. Ask him or her to answer riddles to find the clues to items that you place somewhere around town. You might uh, also surprise your spouse with a special getaway together. It doesn't even have to be an expensive getaway. Just go to a bed and breakfast near your house. Give um, uh, You can go back to the age-old give your wife a dozen roses, and on each stem, mix it up a bit, attach a note for a future date to do something that she would enjoy. You could also have 11 roses delivered to your wife and then give her the 12th rose yourself when you're reading a poem that you wrote. I don't think I could write a poem. Notice a lot of these demand energy. And if you want to have a healthier relationship that's actually even lacking energy, you're probably going to have to invest energy to make it happen. It takes energy to generate something, right? You need energy to make it happen. Um, How about just watching a romantic movie? Just a cuddle and a movie, eat in the... Just order in pizza or something? How about make a meal? Make a meal for your spouse. Or do you want chili? (laughs) You want a bowl of chili and some wonderful noodles from Top Ramen? Uh, Wives could show up at your husband's office before lunch. Take him to lunch. Fill a jar with Valentine candies and notes for your spouse. Surprises. Trips, vacations. Folks, it's, it's a holiday meant to hopefully not just sell a bunch of stuff, but hopefully also to just reconnect and get you back into each other. Anyway, we'll take a break, folks. That's hour number two of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us one more hour, and we'll release you for the holiday. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number three of the show. Hey, if you missed the first two hours, you're going to want to go podcast those. Go to BYU Radio app. Just go look up the BYU Radio app. You can go get all the old podcasts. Go to iTunes. Hello. If you've got a little uh, iPhone, just hit the purple. What color is that? Fuchsia purple podcast button. Oh, the app. Yes. And then all of a sudden you can just download the iTunes app of the Matt Townsend or the iTunes show on or the Matt Townsend show on iTunes. There you go. Or go to TuneIn. Or whatever other service Android has. They have like 90 of them I've heard. But you, the earlier hours, I mean, we we talked about what Terry's going to be doing for Valentine's Day. We did? Uber boring. No. Oh, driver safety? Yeah, you're going to yeah. driver safety class. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think, what did I say? Since you, I'm not actually doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, yeah. You're just not coming to my event, which I, I find, I mean, I just thought I'd have more support. By the way, two years in a row, mm-hmm. not coming to your event. I know. Last year? Yeah. A year ago at this time? Right. 
You didn't come either. It was actually on Wednesday. It was my one-year anniversary on the show. That was was it, it really? On Wednesday, yeah. I forgot Is about that. Is that why you were celebrating? I wasn't celebrating. I was yes, here. Yes, you were. How was I celebrating? You had the hat on, oh, and you were blowing the horn. I didn't think anyone saw that. Oh, no. How could we miss it? You so were. one year of this and no, my second year skipping your Valentine's Day You said one year of this. Of like, this. Like one year of this infection. <laughs> it's not, you don't say this. One year of heaven. Okay. And one year of utopia. I was going to say, if this is what heaven is like on the other side, then I want to be. I want to live to be 100. Yeah, just kind of postpone that as much as possible. Was that Garrett Rushforth? <laughs> I'm going to get him. <laughs> Why would he say that? I don't, it was kind of rude, but, you know. But totally everything accurate. <laughs> if, this, if this is the afterlife, you want to postpone it <laughs> as long as possible. Everything I say is based in fact, maybe the a- loosely. The afterlife is a radio station. You're like, oh, really? Blast it. Oh, I'll stay here. FM, <laughs> AM, or Sirius. Yeah, exactly. AM. Did, um, did you, you, we talked about the debate, and I know you, you'll never miss a debate. Well, Terry loves... The, the highlights on Facebook, yes. You love a good debate. Have I told you how I cover debates? No. I don't actually watch the debate. Why? Because I have it set up on Facebook. I have about... 10 political sites that I follow. They yeah. all have video. And so you can watch all the key moments and, yeah. and skip all the stuff where they scuffle and it's no, not really that important, but all the key moments when they're going after each other and there's, there's key things spoken about and I haven't been able to listen to those and get the entire debate in three minutes. Man, highly efficient. It's wonderful. Why would they not just... Why do they even have the debate if we could just watch it that way? Just make YouTube clips and we can move on with our lives. Interestingly, Kissinger got yes. a little beat down. I wonder I, what he thought about all that. I I don't know. Um, like, what did I do? I didn't realize. Yeah, but I guess that's the neat thing. Is well, the question is, Bernie Sanders doesn't seem to have anyone advising him on foreign policy. Right. He's sort of just winging it. Who? Yeah. Who advises him? And yet, Hillary Clinton is advised by Henry Kissinger, and then. Bernie went off on the fact that Henry er, Henry Kissinger, who by the way won a Nobel Peace Prize, Oops. but also everyone wins those. You know, they just hand them out. Was involved in bombing Cambodia. Yes, during the Vietnam War that led to the genocide of a lot of people. That was a weird moment. Yeah, but and, she believes. I mean, so then all of a sudden she's got to back down, I guess, off of. Kissinger as a resource. It's just the weirdest. She didn't. She's just like, I have a lot of people. Yeah. There's Madeleine Albright. There's yeah. She's campaigned with her just the other day. Right. And then Gloria they, Steinem. She was the Secretary of she State. She was. There's two two first. So she's got a lot of experience that way. Bernie Sanders in the Senate, he's been exposed to a lot of that information also. But at the same time, he won't give details on no. who's talking to him but and then, who he's talking to. But then Bernie threw the curveball. Ooh. That it is true, you need to have experience, like, and he was very gracious, like you, Madam Secretary, I don't know if he said that. He says that all the time, Madam Secretary. Like you, but you must also have judgment. Ooh. Ooh. And so he kind of hit her on the judgment line, because of the whole Iraq war, and then, you know, he can get into other decisions, Libya, if he wanted to, and others. But it's a really interesting thing. She's clinging on to Obama in a way that a lot of people thought she wouldn't. And I wonder what that will do when it gets to a general. Because I'm going to bet she probably didn't want to, A, 
come out this aggressively stating how progressive she was, and B, she probably didn't want to have to cling on to Obama so tightly for the general. But the mere fact that she is might be telling us that she's worried. She's a little nervous. Sure, Bernie looks like he comes his hair with a balloon. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. That's a great line. Sure. Well, the polling has shown that uh, they're either dead even or within five to seven points of each other. And it wasn't that way six months ago. No, because that's the South. Is that that nationwide? Nationwide. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal, especially we'll see how it plays in the South. But also, she's been going back to Nevada for the Nevada caucus. She's been pushing that way for a long time. And she should easily have that one. Yeah. They said the next two or three uh, contests probably will go Hillary's way because there is more of a, of a voter base that would be appealing to her rather than yeah. to Bernie Sanders. They would they would think they would be the the candidate for them. In in reality, Allegedly. though, it's it's just it's just politics, and we're we've got a year and a half of this, don't we? No, November it's over. Oh yeah, it just feels like a year and a half. Ah. Uh. That's true. Well, it's been going on for three years, so. Well, so we got like what nine, ten months, and we're done. Yeah. Except uh, between now and then, it feels like an eternity. It will be intense. Um, so let's do this. Let's get to the headlines. Uh, in a bit, we're going to go talk with our good friend Rod Gustafson at Parent Previews and be previewing um, some of uh, the movies that are coming out. Um, and what what's coming out on DVD as well, so you can have something to watch maybe for Valentine's Day. And then we'll do a little segment with our producers uh, about, you know, the good old days. I think dating. Mm. It's always a fun idea. We'll talk about that. But first, Terry, let's get to the headlines. What's going on around the world? Thanks, Matt. Secretary of State John Kerry announced on Thursday that world powers have agreed to implement a ceasefire in Syria. However, this would not apply to the fighting between ISIS and the al-Nusra Front within the country. According to Kerry, the United Nations Task Force will be implemented to make sure the humanitarian access is provided to all sides. Now it is yet to be determined if the parties on the ground will in fact abide by the terms of the agreement. During Thursday's Democratic debate in Milwaukee, Hillary Clinton seemed eager to align herself with President Obama as we spoke about and his policies at every opportunity political reports. Before it was called Obamacare, it was called Hillary Care. That is so strange because she was running from that. Four years ago. Mm-hmm. Don't hook that on me. She claimed uh, in the debate, she also lauded Obama for his ability to stand up to Wall Street despite receiving large amounts of money from Wall Street donors. She sang a similar tune on the topic of immigration. I strongly support the president's executive actions, uh, Clinton said. Uh, Bernie Sanders was quick to point out that even though Clinton says she was with the Obama administration, she did run against President Obama mm-hmm. when he was running for his first term. But that was in 2008, correct? Yeah. So and then, this is where she got big applause, and then he also had those smarts and the wherewithal to see that I had what it took to become his Secretary of State. So, back and forth. Yeah. And the crowd goes wild. Applause lines. Uh, on the campaign trail, Ted Cruz is a staunch opponent of the government collecting citizens' personal data when the focus of, the law, enfo- of law enforcement and national security is on ordinary citizens rather than targeting the bad guys. We miss the bad guys while violating the constitutional rights of American citizens. That's a quote from Ted Cruz. Mm. He said this during a speech at the Heritage Foundation Weeks 
following the San Bernardino shootings. But when it comes to collecting information for the sake of his campaign, Cruz, the son of a mathematician and data processing programmers, it's not quite as com- he's not quite as committed. The Associated Press reports Thursday that Cruz's Cruz Crew campaign app That's was too u- many Cruz. I know was used to gather detailed information from supporters' phones, including their personal movements and the names and contacts information of their friends. While many campaigns siphon some data from their supporters, Cruz's goes the furthest of anyone in the race and doesn't give the user the option of using the app without giving up their personal data. Mm. So be careful when you're using campaign apps. Yeah. You might get that funny video they just put out, but they're also taking your contacts. And you may have someone showing up at your door. British health authorities announced Thursday that they have issued criminal charges against the producers of Star Wars The Force Awakens over an onset incident in which Harrison Ford broke his leg. The actor was struck by a hydraulic door on the set of the Millennium Falcon at Pinewood Studios near London in June of 2014. He was airlifted to a hospital where he underwent surgery. uh, Production on the film was suspended for two weeks after the injury uh, to Ford, who was 71 at the time. The health and safety executive said Thursday it had charged... Foodly's Production Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, with four breaches of workplace health and safety laws. It said, by law, employers must take responsible steps to protect workers. This is as true on a film set as a factory floor. The first court hearing scheduled for May. Hmm. Star Wars on trial. Star Wars on trial. A new study published in the Journal of Neurology found that people who weren't as physically active in midlife... Matt, listen up. Hold it, what? Had similar brains than their than their peers twenty years later. <laughs> smaller brains. Oh, I thought you said similar. I did. I just wanted to give you some hope. And smaller then brains. Dash it with actually it. correcting myself. My brain is shrinking. Your brain shrinks. In the new study, researchers looked at one thousand five hundred men and women who didn't have dementia or heart disease. They worked out on a treadmill to assess their fitness levels. Then, 20 years later, the people in the study did another treadmill fitness test and had brain scans. The brain scan revealed the people with lower exercise capacity, defined as the amount of time people could exercise on a treadmill before their heart rate hit a certain threshold. Yeah. In midlife, were more likely to have smaller brains years later compared to people who had high fitness levels in mid-age. Mm. So if you have a low fitness level you may have a smaller brain in midlife. Nothing wrong with that. When you think about maybe your brain's just swollen because you're exercising too much. They're saying it may have an impact <sighs> on your Alzheimer's brain. I don't believe it. You don't think so? Mm-mm. I mean, I believe that you got to exercise. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't affect your brain. Well, yeah, except um, also a lot of people that exercise mm. die. Of what? Statistically, people that exercise and are running more than six miles a day well, yeah, are more... Hold it. Why would you do that? Well, because you're an exerciser, and then when an exerciser goes extreme... So, we everyone needs to exercise. Don't get me wrong. you got to exercise. However, we don't have a clue. My mother-in-law, healthiest woman ever, died of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. We don't know what causes What it. they're saying is this may be something that leads to some information. And let me just suggest... In another month, we'll pull another ad or story. I mean, yeah. ad sounds like an ad. Sure. We'll pull another story that will tell us a different story. Possibly. That it's really not even about the exercise. It's about if you eat enough sushi. You don't know. It could be coconut oil. Could be coconut oil. <laughs> I'm just going to say that, statistically speaking, 100% of people yeah. will die. Eventually. 
We're just so, trying to remember we're prolonging it because we, <laughs> if heaven is a radio studio, we don't want to go there. We're already in one. I'm going to yeah. try and throw off that statistic, but we'll see. But if you've ever wanted to feel what eternity feels like, just listen to the show. <laughs> That's a great That's a very, endorsement of the show. Yeah. Good job, Matt. Make that a, put that on a meme. That's why you get paid the big bucks, Matt. That's right. Put that on a meme and meme it. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to be talking movies with our uh, movie guru, ParentPreviews.com's uh, Rod Gustafson will be joining us. He's a film critic, uh, helping us review our movies to make sure they're family-friendly. We'll be giving you the insight on this, uh, the latest releases this weekend. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it's Valentine's uh, weekend, and you got to, you know, you might just have to watch a movie. You might even need to go out to a movie. So who better to walk us through um, the movies than our good friend Rod Gustafson on, uh, from the website parentpreviews.com. He's a film critic specializing in reviewing movies and the media from a parent's perspective. They do uh, great reviews on their show. Also, we'll, sh- we'll kind of enlighten you by giving you some topics you can discuss with your families about some of the movies and shows that you're seeing. So, Rod, so good to have you. It's good to be here, Matt. Are you uh, you planning a big Valentine's Day uh, event? <laughs> Actually, I we're going away for a week. We're going to head to some fun, and so wow. I'm not sure that we're doing anything too specific yeah, no. for Valentine's Day. My our wedding anniversary is January 29th, and so usually that kind of turns into Valentine's in a strange sort of way. No, that's great. That's perfect. And then yeah. you don't have to worry about it. You just go out, enjoy some sun, hang out, get a nice tan. That's right. A that's right. Pre-cancer. And on top of that, on top of that, flowers are a lot cheaper on January 29th. <laughs> that's so true. It is, huh? That's a that's one of the great benefits of uh, an off holiday right. uh, flower purchase. Hey, talk to us about this movie, um, The Finest Hours. Sure, The Finest Hours came out a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know this film. It, I was a little worried it would underperform at the box office, and it has. And I think that I think that's unfortunate. Uh, it's, uh, I thought was a wonderful film. It stars Chris Pine, who of course is one of the money-making guys in Hollywood right now. It seems like everybody's after Chris Pine. Uh, of course he stars in the tar- Star Trek series and has been in many other films lately as well. And what I like about this movie, Matt, I'm a sucker for true stories. Hmm. This one's a great true story from 1952 when there was a huge storm off the U.S., off the New England coast, and an oil tanker was caught in the storm, and it literally broke in half. Oh, wow. And the bow section sunk, but the stern stayed afloat, and there were 33 men on the stern, half of the of the ship, and now they are desperate to be rescued. And uh, meanwhile, on the shore in this small Coast Guard station, a man by the name of Bernie Weber, and that's who Chris Pine plays, he uh, decides to go out in this small, I think they call it a motorized lifeboat. It's this kind of smallish-looking boat with a little crew of a couple of other guys, and they go out and try and find this ship. 
in the middle of the storm. And Holy the radio cow. gets broken, their compass, literally, I mean, this, this little boat is going under the water and popping back out again. The waves are so big, it washes their comp- compass away. But they eventually manage to find this ship, and they rescue all but one of the men. Really amazing story. And I know I've given away the whole plot, but this is a fairly well-known moment from U.S. Coast Guard history, but really well put together in this film. It's a great movie about heroics. And it seemed like, um, was there a little love interest in there? There is a love interest in here, which, you know, for me, that kind of muddled the plot a bit. (laughs) Of course it did. (laughs) <laughs> we really need it. Well, you know, Matt. Usually, I like. I mean, I'm one of those guys. I enjoy a good romance, but in this case, it just seems to kind of be there to create uh, character foils. Because um, so this this guy Bernie Weber, he I, I don't know if this part of the story is true or not, but he's engaged to this woman um, who shows up at the Coast Guard office and she's demanding to know where Bernie is and bring mm. Bernie back and how could you let him go out there? And so she really seems to be there for the whole purpose of being a catalyst to create some contention and whatnot to, I guess, supposedly make the story more interesting. But boy, there was already enough tension. Yeah. So, the storm man, going, it's a man against nature movie, of course. Those trailers, I've seen the trailers in theaters, and it's, I mean, it's it really, it's riveting. You want to, that's one mm-hmm. that, it's its like the perfect storm, and, you know, and what? Some yeah. other hero story. Yeah, 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 it's almost like one of those sports hero stories, those great sports movies we get about athletic heroes. Right. And what is what is really cool about this movie is that there really are two heroes. There's also an engineer on the back end of the ship. And this still is so amazing to me. And there's a lot of great history you can discuss with your kids. These oil tankers, there was, I think, about a thousand of them built in the early 1940s during World War II. And, of course, things in a war don't always get built to the best specifications. So after the war was over, these, these tankers got sold off into private, to private companies. Well, it turns out that the steel became brittle in cold temperatures. So they actually had 10 of these tankers split in half over the years. Oh, wow. And in fact, during the storm, two split in half off the New England coast. There was a second one, and it's part of the story, too, not a major part of the story, but the main Coast Guard guys were busy rescuing that first, the, the other one that broke in half. And in fact, there was confusion. At first, they thought that they were receiving the same distress call. It took them a while to realize, no, two of these tankers had broken a half oh. on the very same day in February of 1952 during this storm. So, you know, some interesting, some interesting parts as well. But I began talking about the hero in the stern of the ship. He's the engineer. Yeah. And he figures out how to steer this thing. And imagine this. you got a half a boat. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're trying to steer it, and he's hoping to ground it to run it ashore on a on a piece of land somewhere. And so they, they go through the details of how they're going to do this. Really, I, I just love these stories. Of, it's like Apollo 13, you know, where you've got all this brains and ingenuity coming together to try and solve a problem. Mm. No, I, I'm excited. That's a, it seems like a must-see. What grade did you give this one? 
A minus on this one. Uh, you know, really, there's no sexual content in this movie. There are a few profanities in Christian terms that deity used as expletives, but relative to other PG-13 movies, this movie is really quite clean. Hmm. And the violence really is the, the man, it's the forces of nature. Uh, we do see one person, we see some blood in it, a bloody injury that happens on the ship. And of course, there are many moments of peril. But, uh, you know, for a PG-13 film, um, in fact, I, I was a little surprised it, it did get a PG-13. Yeah. No, interesting. Well, well, you know what? I appreciate it, Rod. And that's uh, to me, that's one I'm going to go see for sure. And I'm going to use your, your tools from your website, parentpreviews.com, to talk to my kids about it. So. Uh, sounds great. I think your kids would like it. I would say on this one, you know, probably 10 and over, 12 and over, somewhere in there. You should be okay. Awesome. Good job. And, Rod, good luck uh, on your on your trip, on your vacation. Well, thank you. I appreciate Not that. Not that you need that, Maybe but I'll drop, don't get I'd sunburned. Like drop in and see you, Matt, when do. you least expect Yeah, it. do it. Just sneak on in. <laughs> thank you, Rod. Take care. You too. Appreciate you. it. Good stuff. Good stuff. That sounds like a great movie. And, it, too, it's a, I mean, to have it be real and have it be a true story, so much more um, powerful, I think. Let's take a break. Speaking of real, when we come back, we'll be visiting with two of our wonderful producers here from the Matt Townsend Show. Kaylee and Liz will be joining me. We're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a little, just a little millennial versus Matt moment. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Meet the Producers segment. This is the chance uh, to meet the people behind the scenes of the Matt Townsend Show. Two of our finest producers of all time, Liz Miller. <laughs> They're giving bones to each other. And Kaylee, a.k.a. Kimchi Davies. Danes. <laughs> no, it's Davies. Okay. <laughs> we have a little running joke with uh, Kool-Aid. Um that we never use her name right. Yeah. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks. By the way, this is pretty interesting because most people don't know this. Kaylee, you <laughs> usually are producing the very first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Yeah. Liz produces the second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Yes, that's correct. Yep. Um, so if you out there in listener land don't like the first hour... <laughs> That's my fault. <laughs> Just give Kaylee.danes at byu.edu a text or an email. Oh, I happen to remember your name there. That was oh, nice, yeah. Anyway, um, ladies, uh, in this segment, you're supposed to, we're supposed to talk about something that you could maybe teach me about. Right. Maybe let me teach you a little bit. Yeah. Learning. And so what's the topic today? Well, it's Valentine's Day weekend. And yes. So we wanted to talk about love and dating. And, yes. Um, 
Liz and I, we were talking about what we could bring. Like, what are we experts in in dating? And we realized that Liz and I go on more first dates than second. So we're experts at So you guys are like masters dates. of the first dates. <laughs> we are the masters. Yes. <laughs> we're or the we're really bad at them. We haven't decided which one it Platinum is. Platinum trophies. You both spend a lot of time in my office talking about dating. About boys. Yeah. Liz doesn't as much. <laughs> I don't have much going on right now, so so that's why. I think, Liz, you're actually probably producing a show. <laughs> I don't know what kimchi's doing. Dealing with boys. So you guys, you're saying you have a lot of first dates, mm-hmm. but not as many second dates. Yeah, so we've mastered the art of the first date. Well, or uh, have you? Because to master think... it <laughs> seems like you would get to a second date. Well, or we're just so good at them. Yeah, we're very good at the first date. Nobody ever said that the, the object of the first date was to get to a great, second date. That's yeah. a great point. That's it's not a goal. Point. Maybe, you're just, maybe you, you want to just do a lot of first dates where you meet a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, like Facebook friends, just like we just everyone you can. Them. Yeah, let anybody in. Dates. Anybody in, there even you if go. you don't know them, even if you don't even speak the same Blind language. Blind dates yeah. are hilarious. Yeah, they're fantastic. Wow. Funny. Okay. So, so do you, are you looking for help? Or are you? Well, we brought um, some things that we had found. We found research. It was um, yeah. the n- top three things that you should talk about on a first date. Okay. For okay. It to be a good date. All right. Let me let me just just throw those by me and okay. let me just see what I think. Yeah. Because I mean, so maybe <laughs> maybe something's not working. I mean. Maybe. We'll see. So number one, it says talk travel, not movies. Um, they give the statistic that 9% of couples that talked movies wanted a second date versus 18% um, percent of couples that talked about travel went on a second date. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So we talk about your travel, your journeys. Yeah, it makes the person sound more attractive and more like, like adventurous. Wow. Like, oh, they do all these things. Like, <gasps> yeah. That's so yeah. attractive. Ooh, you went to Reno? Rather than, oh, you saw Up last yeah. weekend. Yeah. So did millions of other people. <laughs> that was a really old interesting. movie. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. I don't know why you guys, I think I see the problem. <laughs> I find this so, one interesting because I'm a film major. So like there you movies go. are my my That's true. you know my bread and but butter. Maybe but maybe because you're so passionate about it, oh, that would sound yeah, attractive. Maybe I'm a film snob and I don't know it. Well, oh. yeah, but maybe you need to watch another movie other than Up. <laughs> well, that, oh, that could, <laughs> It's really heartwarming though. Actually, the bad guy terrifies me. Anyways. Anyway, okay, so yeah, I, I totally agree with this advice. Okay, good. But I, I talk about other things too, than yeah. travel or movies. But travel over movies, I guess. Food. Yeah. You know what's a great first liner that you ought to try on your date? <laughs> Just look them in the eye and say, so how do you think you're going to die? <laughs> I have actually had that experience. I talked about that on a first date. Did you really? It was really, really? interesting. He had a fantastic response. What His did he response say? was he wanted to save people from like a plane crash, but he wanted to die in the crash so that nobody knew that he did it. Wow. What a gentleman. Wow. Okay. A gentleman and a scholar. Did, interesting. Did, what happened to him? He died. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. Ironically, <laughs> he passed away on a plane. I Correct. don't know. Actually. But she didn't save anybody. <laughs> that's okay. That's sad. I'd go back and call him. Uh, yeah. Make sure he's doing okay. Not getting on any yeah. planes. He go like for that, that second date. Yeah. Seemed like a good catch. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good rule. So the second um, thing that we should do on a first date, it's not just it's not just what you talk about, but it's how you talk. Yeah, um, like if you talk like this. <laughs> That well, doesn't work. No, but it, they, uh, the, the article talks about you add to the conversation. Yeah. You don't just, like, let it fall flat. And I was talking to Liz. I'm a big texter, and I think that's important in texting, too, that, like, if someone asks you a question, you don't just answer. Like, you add to it. And the same on the first date conversation. Well, I've actually texted you. <laughs> you never text me back, and you, But you actually add stuff that's not real. So you can't – you don't embellish. You shouldn't lie. Oh, 
I thought that's what they meant by like no, you no, add no, no. to. I think they mean like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds neat, and I did this too. And yeah, just that's what add. they say. Yeah, no, yeah, yours Wait. is different. Okay, you okay. just kind of take it on a tangent. <laughs> oh, like I'd say, hey, so I just I just had dinner, and you're like, oh, <laughs> I shoot guns, <laughs> and that drives me crazy. Okay, I'll work on that. I'm just saying, I want you to have a second date. I know, I, I so don't a don't okay. go on a tangent. B don't bring up that you shoot Gun. guns. Okay. I mean, some people like that. Don't get me wrong. It's true. You, I mean, you have that photo of me in your office. Yeah. Holding with a gun. gun. <laughs> I haven't seen this one yet. It was when I was a small child. Oh. It's right next to the photo of her that looks like Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> and then right next to the photo of the me Unabomber. holding turtles. Oh, yeah. wow. You and, are just multifaceted. She brings me a picture every day. I My whole office has pictures Such a cat. of kimchi. Um, so, uh, so add to the conversation. I totally mm-hmm. agree. I think yeah. that's good. And I love this third one. What's the third one? The third one is share secrets. Tell them something. (laughs) I think that that's cool. Mm. It says emotional, personal information exchanged during first date conversation promotes powerful feelings of connection. Can I tell you a secret? (laughs) (laughs) No, but like maybe like some, I don't know. I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, it's a good way to bridge that gap and become kind of something more than just your Facebook profile or just like the person Um, that you are in your normal setting. Can the love doctor intervene here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as somebody that is married 25 years, <laughs> has been married 25 years. Um, Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't divulge certain secrets. Uh, um, I so, like social I mean, security like, you know most of my secrets. Yeah. So, oh, like, which uh, ones yeah. am I allowed to tell? Yeah. Like, I, I hear dead people. <laughs> <laughs> that That's a secret you don't want to divulge. What about my, like, secret crush on Alex Trebek? Um, that's okay to share. I probably wouldn't lead with that. <sighs> <laughs> that's one that that's one that you're, he's going to want to find out about later, really like after okay. you're married. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess you have to have some secrets, don't you? If you make it to that I second just, date, I, yeah, I'm mysterious. So don't tell Ooh. too much. So yeah. Like they don't leave like, leave okay. a little on the table. Leave them wanting more. How yeah. how do you accumulate secrets then? If you just <laughs> aren't maybe you know that secretive. If, if you're not a, you're not Liz. You're not I'm a not, secretive I'm person. Open. You're an open book. Just just watch what Kaylee does. She is so a, now I'm doing a good thing. Nobody accumulates more secrets than Kaylee. <laughs> so maybe something in between us. So yeah. like our nine o'clock hour. Yeah. So Leanna. Okay. Yeah, Leanna. <laughs> well, let, just follow Leanna's lead. Okay. She goes on second. She date. does go on she second. Does. Date. does she really? Beautiful. Probably. I don't yeah. know. You're all beautiful. That's the, not the problem. The problem is you divulge too many secrets <laughs> and you add inappropriately to the conversation. Oh, that could, Dang that it. Could be it. So I'm trying to help you guys. And we talk about old movies. <laughs> old movies are great. Casablanca, man. No, no. Talk oh, about yeah. travel. Talk about Tra- travel. All right. But traveling to Casablanca okay. while watching Casablanca. You know, what? You know maybe this is going to take more than a segment. <laughs> so just come by my office after. Okay. But I will help you with this. Anybody that wants to date Liz Miller or Kaylee Danes, <laughs> give us a call. one eight five five chat byu I'm open to this. And or you can just, you can email me at, what's my email? Uh, uh, Dr. Matt, Matt. Townsend okay. at edu. Tell them about my budding um, L- J. Crew catalog career. Uh huh. And soon, um, <laughs> and Kaylee L. will be seen in the LL Bean catalog. Yep. Uh, she'll be the one carrying a canoe <laughs> by herself and wearing seven layers of clothing <laughs> for some odd reason. Well, ladies, thank you, and we wish you the very best of luck on your second date. Again, if anybody wants to date any of our two lovely producers, Liz Miller, Kaylee Danes, just give us a call one eight five five Chat BYU.
<laughs> we'll take a break, come back, visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation, folks. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Let's go down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Hello, Joe, man. Hello, Matthew. How are you both? What a Thursday night across BYU Sports Nation. Did you know that sport, uh, sport, Spencer Linton's uh, call on a play was on SportsCenter last night? No. That happened. You Lexi are Reynolds, famous. Women's basketball. Yeah. It's a 40-footer uh-huh. to give BYU a three-point win. Uh, with one second left, uh, and Spencer's call was number two on SportsCenter's top ten, and it was on Scott Van Pelt's SportsCenter last night. It was all over the place. Oh, my heavens. Great. Okay, Spence, play it. Uh, just replay it for us. Do we have that audio? Aaron Evans, do we have that audio we could play for Matt? Oh, that would be so cool. Okay, they're going to yeah, queue it up. Okay, they so can it up. Yeah, yeah. queue it up for you, Matt. Okay, here it okay, is. Here it is. Here, here it is. is. 6.2 to play. Lexi Rydalch with the ball. Tied at 62. Rydalch across half court. Has time. Up off the glass and gone! play! As heard on BYU Radio. That is so cool. Pretty cool, right? And holy cow, Spence, your reaction. Did you, pull, did you pull a vocal cord? Did I you didn't pull it? <laughs> I, well, here's the thing. Like, I could probably never reenact that again. No, no. That was just, it was nuts. Did you use any words, or were they just noises? Well, I think I think I said up off the glass and good. Uh, did you say good? Yeah. I thought you said gooey. <laughs> Something like that. that Seriously, great. I don't I don't know that I could ever reach that. That is cool. That again. <laughs> that is the needed. I mean, seriously, dude, you're you're big time. I'm not big. I'm time. surprised you came into work today, to be honest. Lexi Rydalch is the real hero. Are you kidding me? Ah, come on. Who cares about that? Lexi will come. Lexi will go. That- Spencer was on Sports and it was great. That is huge. Yeah. Man we, alive. That rivals the the previous like hey we think those were cool moments were <laughs> yeah. getting retweeted by a CBS guy. That I think we moved beyond that. Johnny Manziel once favorited one of my tweets. Whatever. Did you really? <laughs> but, yeah. Well no, your 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 claim to fame was on this show. What you gonna do? do you remember? What you gonna do? Jeremy, when you're running down you. the street? You remember you're running down your street and you know with your pants falling down? <laughs> with his jinkos, I, I don't remember. I don't remember wearing the jinkos. Oh, in seventh grade, maybe. And, and the and the cops were chasing you. Do you remember? You know, uh, I don't want to talk about it. It's, yeah. That was still... a big moment, though, too. I mean, I mean, millions of people saw that. Oh my gosh, that was fantastic. Hey, Valentine's Day is coming up. I wanted to know what you guys are planning on doing for the ladies. Well, let's see. It's on a Sunday, right? Yeah, but you you could celebrate. <laughs> Probably going to go to church for three hours, mm-hmm. and then uh, <laughs> maybe make dinner. Yeah. Yep. Put in yep. a roast. My baby's being blessed on Sunday. Really? Because, yeah. Fantastic. Are you going to use that voice? Uh, <laughs> Good if it goes! <laughs> Be blessed, please, baby! Please, please no. Please no. That's sad. But, I will um, fire myself from all that, future church That would be awesome. Activity. And then Kristen Kozlowski, who's the analyst, is over there and goes, <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? That would be appropriate in church. <laughs> Where's my baby? Your wife's <laughs> screaming. 
Hey, um, so that's a big day for you. Boy, you guys, it's almost like you haven't planned much for Valentine's. Well, my wife said we're not doing presents this year. We have this thing called hashtag 2016 Linton Family Budget. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's no, a hashtag? Well, yeah, kind of, as, as wow. a joke. But no, <laughs> no presents, just a card for each other. Oh. Yeah. Boring. Uh, well. <laughs> that's kind of boring. I mean, it's good. It's inexpensive. Don't get me wrong for hashtag 2016 Linton budget. I think Valentine's Day is the most overrated holiday of the year. Seriously. I, I think <laughs> you're right. Is that Garrett Rushforth playing that song? Yeah, Garrett Garrett yeah. is here, by the way. So Sir, Garrett. Sir Rushforth. Hey, guys. Hey, Garrett. <laughs> hey, brother. <laughs> hey, brother. <laughs> Trying to give him a thought. Oh, right? I love that. <laughs> Is that just, oh, that is too classic. You just brought in a great, great show. Mother says I can. <laughs> uh, Arrested Development, for those of you that don't know. That's just from Arrested Development. Hey, uh, so just so you know, I'm throwing a big date night if you guys want to bring your wives. Where is it? It's, it's at a high school, Olympus High School in Salt Lake City. 1,200 okay. people are going to be there. Saturday night? Yeah, Saturday night. I know the guy that's in charge. and I'll, 1,200 yeah, people? And he'll get you some tickets. Nice. Yeah. But I'm just thinking, cause, well, because your wives call, and um, they're, they're, they're lonely, and they wish they could just be more connected to you. So they really want to go to Matt Townsend's show. The date Is that night. what the party's called? The Matt Townsend show? It's just After called Dark? Date Nights with Matt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Date Nights with Matt. Yeah, and I guarantee... Wait, so is my wife going on a date with you? That's what it sounds like. Well, Yeah. I didn't want to. It sounds weird. Like we go play video games. Yeah, we put we put the guys else, in the then, gym, and yeah. then I just work with the wives. And then you're on the stage like Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future, just playing right. Earth Angel. Or something. Uh-huh. And and the women <laughs> scream. It's fantastic. No, we we couples come, and then we just teach you how to be better couples. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. It's kind of out of your wheelhouse, I think. Yeah. I don't want. It. I mean, anything that involves us getting better or self self improvement. Woof. Just no. <laughs> Just I mean, kidding. I, 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 if you want tickets, I'm offering them. Okay, that's very kind of. They're you. only. I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll hardly charge you. They're only twenty eight. <laughs> twenty eight fifty. No. Um. But proceeds go to my. Can I just suggest? Or a kidney. Uh, yeah, if you have a kidney, a spare kidney. Do you guys? Um, you're gonna do the big. You're gonna do the blessing of the baby. Um, Jerem, I'm assuming you you're not blessing a baby, so you're not probably gonna make a meal or something. Sure, vacuum. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just wondering. I mean, you're right. I do think Valentine's is overrated. It's just. It's you, Valentine's you, Day every day in my you, house. Oh snap. Um, why is that? Because you run around in a diaper, um, shooting arrows. Something like that, that. does sound fun, though. Something honestly. like that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see that. No, hey, I wouldn't. Brother. Actually. Hey, brother. <laughs> hey, brother. I'm young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is fat. That's so funny. Uh, hey, are you guys doing your show today? We are indeed. Big show today. Yeah, I'm As sure you're going to replay. You're going to replay that that wonderful sound. Oh yes. Oh, yes. We were going to celebrate that hard. Yeah, that's good. What else? Big win for BYU because now they only need to win two more games, and then they've locked up the one seed in the West Coast Conference Tournament for the women. The men, meanwhile, put up a season-high 114. Nick Emery scores 37, a freshman record, Mm. passing Danny Ainge, and hit 10 threes, which is tied for the BYU record. That's more than Jim Fredette ever made in a game. Jeez. Uh, So a huge night from BYU. Santa Clara on Saturday. Terry Nash, assist coach for the Cougars, former player. He'll join us on the show 
Jack DeMooney, new uh, director of player personnel, will join us as well for the football team. And Handsome Taniello, who is a BYU lineman signee, expected to come in and potentially start for the Cougars, will be in studio as well. His name is Handsome, Matt. The dude's name is Handsome. Like, how do you beat that? It's tough. Yeah. It really is. His name is Handsome. That is just... My uh, my middle name was Scrawny. Okay. But we didn't want to... Come on, Mom and Dad. Bring that up. Did um, Is his name really Plantar handsome? Plantar fasciitis? Yeah, Plantar. He, 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 goes by, uh, he goes by handsome. I assume that's his real first name. That'd be funny if it was just a nickname. Like, what if they just called him Handy? El Guapo. El Guapo. Handsome. El Guapo. Hey, um, Kay, I do believe, though, as I listen to your show lineup, that you're missing a little love. What are we missing? You just need some love. You need... You need some heart, some arrow, Cupid thing. I'm just oh, saying. You think that it needs a va- yeah. You think it needs a Valentine's Day theme? I would. I mean, just something, something. Isn't it Abe Lincoln's birthday or something today, though? Land of Lincoln. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. Is it? Like, because his president's holiday is Monday. We're it's his birthday. Yeah, it's, it's Abe's birthday today. Yeah. yeah. Are you doing your show Monday? Or are you taking it off? Uh, I, I, I'm taking it off. Yeah, as, we'll be as, here. As you should. We'll be here. Yeah. We'll be here. We'll uh, go down the fort. I, I won't be here. Uh, fort Sports Nation. Monday's my anniversary, if you're just wondering. Oh, very exciting. If you, I mean, if, if you want to put that in you your... You got married around Valentine's Day? I got married during uh, President's Weekend so that I so could... So you really yeah. like Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. <laughs> I actually, on my honeymoon, I... <laughs> exactly. Because it's your anniversary. On my honeymoon, I actually studied for a school test. And I came home from my honeymoon and just totally aced the test. Focused. Never more focused. <laughs> Energized. Relaxed. <laughs> and kick back. Anyway, it does a body it does a body good and it does your school grades good. No comment. No comment. Anyway, happy Valentine's, gents, and uh and good luck. If you want to come, call me, I'll I'll hook you up. Okay. You got it, brother. Sweet. We'll Have a great show and it's good to just know that I'm amongst the great. Jerem Jordan? Spencer Linton, baby. Both. Garrett Rushforth. Garrett and Rushforth. Garrett Rushforth. Everybody Rushforth? got in there. Everybody got in there. Have a great show, gents. Thanks, Bye, See you. Bye, Bye, brother. <laughs> oh, that's just funny. Arrested Development. They always seem to get some funny, I mean, Arrested Development moment there. Okay, I got uh, a story to tell you that you're just not going to believe. Let me just um, set it up with, I don't know. I mean, it's, is it, is it? This absolutely. A man tries to hawk drugs while in court. Listen to this. A 35-year-old man who showed up in a Pittsburgh traffic courtroom Monday to face charges of driving under suspicion was apparently feeling uh, either very reckless or, you know, I don't know, invincible. The guy... uh, Basically, he's he's heading out of courtroom, and he's stopped briefly and talked with an unnamed man in the courtroom sitting area. A sheriff's deputy saw the interaction and told this this his name was Durkin to get out of there. But Durkin left his uh, his partner that he was talking to, and um, basically there was a drug deal. He was doing a drug deal in the court. The guy was trying to buy Suboxone, a narcotic used to relieve pain and treat opiate addiction. And this Durkin was out there trying to basically unload two units of Suboxone on the guy. Okay, a little rule. Don't have a drug deal 
in the court. Are you kidding? Come on. If you're going to be a bad boy, be careful. Just don't do it in front of the court bailiff. Anyway, uh, Bill Gates uh, revealed something really interesting that he and his Microsoft co-founder, Paul Allen, they fixed their high school scheduling software to rig the roster so that Gates was the only guy in all-girl classes. (laughs) That's some pretty funny coding. So I was the one who benefited by being able to have the nice girls at least sit near me, Gates tells the BBC, admitting that he was particularly inept at talking to girls. It wasn't that I could talk to them or anything, but they were there. Well, they were there because they had rigged the scheduling software to be very pro Bill Gates. Um, he said instead of uh, he says that he wouldn't dare you know talk to him when he would would study next to the girls. And he stressed the fact that they uh, they used to really give him stress and anxiety. That changed some, he said, when he went to Harvard, where Gates says he became a little bit more sociable. But I was uh, below average on talking to girls. So think of it this way. If you're a genius and you can't just get the girls by talking to them, you know, just rig software. That's one way to do it. I just read another article saying eventually someday, you know, people will be marrying robots. Ah, jeez. That's all we need. Wait till you run out of batteries in your spouse. Hey, uh, here's our hero of the day. We always like to end the show with a hero story. Our hero today is Thomas Smith, homeless man from Houston, Texas. Listen to this story. Thomas Smith wasn't sure how he could ever repay his longtime friend for letting him stay in her house. But all that changed when Thomas was awakened by a big old boom one Friday morning. At first, Smith thought the house was being robbed, but he quickly realized that the home was on fire and the smoke was filling up the room. Realizing everyone else in the house was asleep, Smith ran to his friend's bedroom and saw the 66-year-old woman was trapped beneath sheetrock and debris. Smith pulled the woman out of the bed and rushed to another bedroom where her 8- and 10-year-old granddaughter were sleeping. After waking everyone up, Smith led the entire family through the smoke until they made their way to safety. The Houston uh, Fire Department and community labeled Smith as a hero, but he brushed the label aside. He says, I wouldn't say I'm a hero. I just thank God for helping us all. Thankfully, nobody was injured in the fire. The house, however, was affectionately known as Grandma's house and was extensively damaged. Thomas Smith, you are the hero of the day, my friend. You from Houston, Texas. And you're the final final act of the matt townsend show uh this week we're gonna we're out here until monday we'll be back folks make sure you look after each other we all can be heroes for each other just be there when the people around you need need you and also uh make sure that uh you show some love this weekend step up your um life and step up your game with the people you love until monday take care we'll be back monday to talk